Jingophilia. My fellow Anglophiles, <laughs> I come to you, <laughs> hidden away, trapped inside the bunker that is my studio apartment in Los Angeles. I'm Stephanie Callis. And I'm Kaylee McMahon, reporting safely from her one bedroom in Manhattan. And uh, as you could probably <laughs> guess, uh, we're going to do something a little different today. We are currently <laughs> halfway through recording our fifth season, but a couple of days ago, my mom had the brilliant suggestion that we should record some kind of pandemic special in order to channel all of our fears and anxieties in this scary and uncertain time. And what better way to do that than by revisiting the modern classic zombie apocalypse comedy, Shaun of the Dead. We want to give our listeners who maybe hold up at home something new to listen to that's relevant, but also hopefully lighthearted in tone. Ha <laughs> I mean, we'll see. <laughs> how this recording session goes we're going to try to get this out there as soon as possible with the spread of the coronavirus the numbers are growing every day new measures of caution are advised by experts healthcare professionals and state and local governments <laughs> note my glaring omission every day um honestly four days ago i was in a crowded broadway theater and taking the subway and eating out at restaurants and in that time the number of known cases in the u.s has more than doubled and now, 96 hours later, it seems like everything's shutting down or about to be shut down, and I personally have been reduced to a poor man's Howard Hughes. So, we are recording this on Saturday. I'm hoping to edit it quickly and have it ready to go on Monday, Tuesday at the latest, because at the rate that things are going, we could be living in an entirely different world just a few days from now. As such, this episode will not be particularly well-researched, nor tightly edited, and it will contain <laughs> few or no clips. This is just a snapshot of the moment, and we hope that it is entertaining. Also, since there's no knowing just how bad the situation is going to get, we hope that our humor doesn't seem insensitive later, or even now, frankly. Uh, we're going to do what we've always done and use humor as a coping mechanism to get through the worst of life, but we do not mean to trivialize the very real losses that people will be facing and indeed have already faced as of this recording. We love you guys so much. Be good to each other and also stay far away from each other. Don't go outside. Don't hoard supplies, etc. So with all that said, Shaun of the Dead is a 2004 zombie comedy directed by Edgar Wright, written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, and starring Simon Pegg, Kate Ashfield, Lucy Davis, Nick Frost, Dylan Moran, Bill Nye, Penelope Wilton, and Jessica Stevenson. Um, so with all that business aside, Stephanie, how are you coping right now? Okay, first of all, and this is terrible because I do not mean to plant any further paranoia into your mind, but every time you touched your face, I winced. I can't every not. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. It's like, I have a goldfish memory when it comes to that. I feel like I'm safe, though, because I don't plan to go outside uh, probably ever again. Um, I don't know, man. I The way that I've been, I've been very religious about the hand washing. I've been socially distancing myself. I feel like I've been preparing for that aspect of it my whole life. But when it comes to the face touching... I'm like, you know, some asshole in a Broadway theater that's told to turn off their phones. It's like, oh, but surely you don't mean me. Like, that's that's how I've been. I can't I didn't oh. even realize I was doing it. Well, first of all, I realize that you're in your apartment and that you're doing what you can. You are not out there shaking hands with people, touching subway seats and then touching your your face. Oh, yeah. That's Even before not, this, not I've never touched a subway pole. I've gotten to be very good at um, what I call subway surfing. I just kind of balance mm. and 
If I stumble, I stumble and I'll apologize if I accidentally step on your foot. But no, I do not touch anything in public. Well, you know, last week for me, this is interesting because you and I have talked only kind of sparsely throughout the last couple of days because the last two weeks haven't been easy for me. I'm so sorry. But yeah, there was a lot of confusion about, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to close? Are we going to have people work from home? I will be working from home next week. Thank you, God. But, you know, Friday was, it just seemed like... It just seemed like Independence Day or something huh. or Mars attacks like yeah. when when Trump addressed the world or whatever the fuck he was supposed to be doing. I mean, our CEO sent a page if anybody wants to come watch this in my office and the company essentially stopped for that hour that that maniac was up there talking. And I assume you didn't watch it? Oh, the no. Okay. I am not going to dwell on it too long, but we're all watching it in different rooms of the office. I was in the main conference room and, you know, we're all kind of holding our breath going, this is not making anyone feel better mm-hmm. anywhere. And the man said, like, today I am declaring a national emergency to very, very big words. Oh, my God. <laughs> everyone just apart laughing because it was one of those okay th- thank god for that like i mean y- what else can you do what else can, laugh at a certain point what else can you fucking do but then dude okay i've been i've been holding this in i wanted to tell you immediately but but i held it in you and i have made a more than one insensitive joke about people overreacting about uh dead dogs in in comedies go on well i leave my office last night feeling quite relieved and i've got a bunch of my personal shit I- i'm looking at my office i'm going Bitch, you have peanut butter? You have olive oil? Take all this shit home. What are you doing? You've got all this great stuff. Um, So I have like a bag of books and I'm all set. I'm like, I am not coming back. I am going to be fine. I'm going to wait out the apocalypse. And I get in my car. I put on the Lizzo album and I'm driving down Washington Boulevard. And I- Did you hit a dog? I'm singing along to Jerome. (laughs) I'm not going to touch my face. I'm just- Go on. Okay, okay. I didn't kill the dog. Here's how my thought process went. Okay. I'm going to just invite you into how my thought process went. It went, what's that sound? What's that screeching sound? Is a car losing control? I don't see any cars swerving. Is someone screaming because the pillow just fell out of that camper van in front of me? Wait, that's a dead dog. I hit a dead dog. Oh, the person behind me hit a dead dog. Uh. (laughs) So I pieced together minutes later because I drove home just with my mouth agape for several seconds. Like, oh my God. Like that. Like that. And I thought, okay, the screaming was that beloved pet's owner Mm -hmm. probably watching it run into the street. Okay. And then the camper van in front of me ran it over. Oh my god. And by the time I even realized what was happening. It was already dead. I hit its dead body. Oh god. Oh, that's And I'm so like, sad. okay, there's this global pandemic. It's Friday night. And for as shitty of a time as I've had it. And for as way shittier of a time as other people in the world have had oh my it. God, like, let's yeah. not even trivialize things. Oh, no. I'm like, you know what? But at least I didn't just watch my pet get run over by several cars. Yeah. <laughs> Nor were you the one responsible for it. I mean, that's... No, but I was the one responsible for making it really morbid. Oh, oh God, that's really Or I was sad. partly responsible because I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw the car behind me do the same thing. <gasps> You're the middle, the middle man. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's really sad. I hope that that pet's owner 
find some peace. Jesus, what a sad way to start this off. <laughs> I mean, it was already sad. It's no sad. I mean, it's moderately sadder now, but this is already, we're in some shitty times, man. I mean, things can just change in a second. They really right? can. They... One second you're reading headlines about how, oh, this is happening elsewhere in the world. And then you start to go, that couldn't happen here, right? Oh, it's happening. Oh, the president is Donald Trump. Oh, fuck. Yeah, maybe someone should have uh, invoked the 25th Amendment yesterday. And by yesterday, I mean three years ago. Because oh, we've all Jesus known he's age. been incompetent since forever. There's not a single good quality. I mean, we're preaching to the choir. We This is known. This is all very well documented. At the same time, though, we do have listeners across the pond. And, I, and I'm sure that, you know, it. Uh, they can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief to realize that the podcast that they're supporting is not hosted by two of those kinds of Americans. I mean, that's true. I would hope that that's been evident from the content of all the rest of our stuff. If this is the first no, episode you're ever listening to, then uh, welcome to the fold. Uh, thank you for, for listening. And yeah, fuck Trump. That's our view on that. Dude, the funniest thing, and this isn't funny. God dang it. I, I <laughs> hate it. Nothing about this next <laughs> 90 minutes will be funny. Go on. But like, it, it is funny. I was I was talking to my friend Melanie and I asked her, did you happen to watch his address? And she said, you know, for, for the last couple of years, I try to tune in and then I give up after a minute because I cannot stand to hear that man. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you missed nothing. He claimed everything is fine. He cl- he cl- he claimed everything is fine, none of it's his fault, and he blamed Obama. The fact that he blames Obama <laughs> for everything, even things that didn't exist however many years ago, like, oh, he, he, he yeah. has no shame. It would be funny if it weren't real. Like, if he were a fictional character, it would be like, oh, how hilariously in character for him to blame Obama. What a great catchphrase for this dumb idiot that can't possibly be real. That money was just resting in my account. <laughs> Oh but no, God. seriously, he's like, swine flu, that was terrible. You should have seen the way they dealt with swine flu. It was awful. And of course, there are these statistics about how, you know, they were just on that. And they were on Ebola, like, every day. What are we not thinking about? Yeah. What else do we need? We're, we're not doctors, but we're in charge of all this. Yeah. What else are we not doing? I survived swine flu. Did you get swine flu? I did not get it, did you? Yeah, I did. My mom and I got it. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I mean, it was an unpleasant few days, but it was fine. We survived. We uh, we watched The Godfather a lot because it was on whatever channel that was on. It was just like all three Godfather movies were constantly airing. So we just sort of stayed in bed and would like come in and out of consciousness to various bits of The Godfather trilogy. You know what? Wasn't Perfect. a bad week, yeah. I am. I do have a bunch of books. I am watching the Hillary Clinton documentary on Hulu that I've not had the time to watch. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm like, I'm going to clean this fucking apartment, (laughs) which is something I've been putting off for weeks. I'm going to clean this mother. I'm going to get a lot done. That's what I that's what I said a couple days ago. But so far, my apartment is just as dirty as it was. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be better about it than I am. Well, let's not pretend we're also not completely exhausted for various other reasons. Oh my god, yeah. Okay, so can we can we talk about how before this catastrophe escalated so exponentially in the last week, you and I were really, really mourning hard the campaign of Elizabeth Warren, who was our candidate of choice. Stephanie, you know, was making calls and texts. I was giving all of my money to her. Um and uh, and you got to vote for her. I she was knocked out of the race before New York even has their primary. I don't know how we're gonna vote. I might stay home, honestly, at this point. Oh right, 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 right. I feel like it well, would be the smart thing to do. 
Hey, Naomi Campbell's full body uh, suit was only fifteen ninety nine on Amazon. See if there's any of those left. I don't want to give that Bezos motherfucker any more of my money. But uh, you know what? Same, same. My, my, my the family money. group text is popping off this week. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, mm-hmm. we're all being pretty funny. <laughs> Minutes ago, my little brother said, "Like, what the fuck is gonna happen when people at Amazon who work in those warehouses start getting it? Is is Bezos just gonna hand him a suit and say everything's fine?" Mm-hmm. Because they're already collapsing of heat exhaustion and stuff. Oh, Jesus so. Christ. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, Liz, okay, Liz Warren. America fucked it up again. I, I will say that watching this Hillary Clinton documentary is making me like Hillary Clinton more than I ever have. Nice. Because, I mean, in the 90s, when she was considered this radical feminist mm-hmm. and this hugely powerful first lady, yeah. I was a child. I had no idea the the impact that she was making. I really didn't. Yeah. I was a child child. And before that, the way she was shaking things up when her husband was governor of, of Arkansas, she was shaking things up then too. I had no concept of that. I didn't know that she was fighting for universal health care for the American people in the 90s, oh, yeah. but the public hated her so much mm-hmm. that she couldn't get it off the ground. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna leave it that. Just gonna leave that there. But her emails, Actually, no, Stephanie. fuck it. But her emails. Fuck it. But her goddamn emails. So yeah, I'm, I'm liking Hillary Clinton more than I did even four years ago. But obviously I wanted that woman to win. Are you fucking kidding me? It still hurts every day that she didn't. Not a day goes by, I don't think. Well, at least it's not, you know, Hillary. (laughs) Ha ha, fuckers. Yeah. Oh my God, wait. Have we, why didn't we start doing this years ago? I'm going to start calling my vagina my emails. (gasps) Oh my God. Oh, I've got some tingling in my emails. Oh, my emails are kind of itchy. Should I apply some sort of topical cream? Or should that be more like your hormones? Sorry, I'm crying. It's my emails. I can't come into work today. It's my emails. I'm emotional. Well, I was thinking, like, what's the reason that people hated her and didn't trust her for whatever reason that they can't quite put their finger on? Though Trump would, of course, have no problem putting his finger on it without consent. Um, Yeah, I think think I'll stick with vagina. But if you want to use it, I mean, language is fluid. So use it however you wish. That's great. It's my emails. I love that. <laughs> um, but trying to bring it back to Liz Warren, because I don't want to insult Hillary any more than the world already fucking has. Leave Hillary on. Truly. Yeah. Hey, I was on Chris Crocker's side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, Elizabeth Warren was kind of... I mean, I and I also love Barack Obama. Found him profoundly inspiring, and I loved hearing him talk. And I found him sexy as hell mm-hmm. and smart as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, things I like very much. But Elizabeth, I felt like I felt like I was looking at someone that I aspire to be, at someone who, at times, I hope I have emulated in some way. Mm-hmm. And watching her tear Bloomberg apart, oh. I was screaming and crying, just in like rapturous relief because I thought this person gets me Mm -hmm. she's up there doing what I need people to be doing and this person has my back this person is smart Mm -hmm. this person is smarter than everybody up there I'm just gonna fucking say it yeah that's that's half okay maybe 40% of the reason why people didn't like her I mean Andrew Yang might be quite smart as well but no let's let's be I'm I'm whatever him um 
you know, I, I felt like I was looking at just kind of my favorite politician ever. And I was having one of those experiences that people talk about how representation is so important. Yeah. Like hearing my friend Kevin talk about, you know, the first time he saw Will Smith, he was like, he looks like me. I, I always, I'm going to love that guy because I was a kid and there yeah. was him. And so I understand this is, you know, I'm, I'm decades older and this is a completely different ball game, but I, I was looking at someone and I was like, that's, that's my person. I'm mm-hmm. finally looking at my person. Yeah. And my person didn't get very far, despite the fact that she was the best. By far the best. And yeah, I mean, obviously representation matters so much, and it would have meant the world to have a female president either four years ago or this time around. But also, just like you said, she's so fucking smart, and she, you know, has amazing ideas that could lead to a way, way better world and society for all Americans. And not only the good ideas, she doesn't just talk the talk, but she walks the walk. She has very comprehensive plans for how to actually achieve those goals, unlike some I will touch my face again. God damn it. I can't not. <laughs> can't win. But, um, oh, you know, I, I was not lucky enough to vote for her this time around, but I was lucky enough to attend one of her rallies in Washington Square Park, just a few blocks from where I work back in the fall. And like I said, you know, I've never been that excited by a candidate either. Like, like you, I was also very excited by Obama, but I didn't donate to his primary campaign because I just kind of had a feeling that he was going to win anyway. I donated in the general, of course, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I remember hearing her give this incredible speech. It was the one about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. And at one point she said just the the simple sentence, I am not afraid. And that was the first time in so fucking long, Stephanie, that I have not been afraid. And I think back on that now and it's like, oh God, it really feels like if if our lives are a movie... Elizabeth Warren's exit from the race is like the part of the movie right before the the dark night of the soul, you know, save the cat beat sheet when the mentor dies, you know, it's, it's just devastating. It's like, how the fuck do we, oh yeah, I, I want so badly not to be afraid, but I am constantly afraid even before, even before the Trump years, but forget just before this week, I've always been a person who's been governed by fear. When I saw the movie inside out, I was like, interesting, like fear is definitely my number one emotion. Anger's taken more of a, a passenger seat in recent years, but um, but fear has always been my my pilot for sure. And I want so badly, like you said, to to emulate her and to, you know, persist. And nevertheless, we must persist. But you know what? We do. I mean, we do like persist. Yeah, like basic literal level. Sure. I mean, we're still here, aren't we? Yes. And we're going to talk about a fun movie from two thousand four. <laughs> The the I am not afraid thing that got me through February. Ugh. March has been I'll put it this way. I know neither of us are Game of Thrones addicts, but you watched <laughs> the final season, right? I did. As did I. Yeah. On February 25th. Mm-hmm. So, what? 400 years ago? <laughs> Pretty much. On February 25th, I tweeted, "Every day of 2020 has been like living in the long night." Mm. I had no idea. Yeah. And how right I was. You know when you're in elementary school and there's that saying, March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb? This March comes in like a lion and goes out like a super lion slash dragon slash fucking monster that's going to eat us all. I don't, I'm scared of what's to come, frankly. Oh my God, but we're in the Ides. Maybe Caesar's going to fucking die already. I mean, that would be nice, but I know... Too much to hope. To dare to hope that anything good will happen. 
Hope is a cruel bitch. I know. Sorry, Obama. I know that that man had beautiful chocolate cake in Mar-a-Lago with people who have since tested positive for COVID-19. Well, you know, a girl can dream. Um, shall we, shall we get to the movie? Are we, are we done venting? That was nice, though. Clearly, the current state of affairs is going to keep coming up as we talk about the movie, I'm sure, but, uh, I did want to get it all out there ahead of time, because I know we're all feeling it pretty hard. God damn it, why can't I stop touching my face? I should get oven that's what i should do it would make it hard to i would love to watch you record this thing just <laughs> but then i couldn't it would be hard to, to move my mouse and to toggle back and forth between my notes and your face so no 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 i i understand but, but, just, but for uh, the I'm visual just... you're right it would be funny everyone at home I'm pretend keep... that pretend that i'm wearing oven mitts and, and be amused by it yes um oh there was one thing that i wanted to say right off the bat before we get into talking about this specific movie, is that I remembered that I read an interesting article on Cracked a number of years ago that talked about how zombie movies and vampire movies explain America. And yes, I realize that we are talking about a British film, but uh, if there's anything that we've learned from the past few years and indeed the past few days, it's that, you know, we're all connected, whether we're talking about the unnerving resurgence of fascism or a global pandemic that leaves no place on earth untouched. But I looked up the piece again this morning. It's by S. Peter Davis, and the article was based on research that showed a correlation between the popularity of zombie movies versus vampire movies and which political party was currently in power. Ooh. And basically, the conclusion that it draws is that when Republicans are in power, there's more zombie movies, and when Democrats are in power, there's more vampire movies. And they give a bunch of examples. The article goes on to elaborate that the right fears vampires because they are immoral sexual deviants, they're foreigners, and they're parasites. And that makes total sense, right? Given what the right's agenda is. You've got the sexy monster seducing and corrupting the innocent. I mean, hello, they can be stopped with crosses. So like that should tell you everything that you need to know. And then <laughs> on the other hand, you've got the left who fears zombies because they are mindless consumers. They are here to stamp out all nonconformists and they can't think for themselves. Now, obviously, this is not a hard and fast rule, and it takes a long time to make a movie from its inception. So these may all be a series of coincidences. And like, for example, you know, the Twilight movies, most of them came out during the Obama administration. But of course, the novels were written during the Bush administration. But still, I think that it's interesting food for thought. And this article, even though I hadn't read it in a long time, stop touching your face, Kaylee. I've been thinking about it a lot in the Trump years. Mm. Like, for example, a couple years ago, did you see the movie Anna and the Apocalypse? No. Did you hear about it? Yes, but I forget what it is. It was. Uh, it came out around Christmas time, 2018. It is a British Christmas zombie musical. I'll just say it's not as good as Shaun of the Dead. I think Shaun of the Dead is a masterpiece of its genre, but it does have its charms, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because there's a song that's called "What a Time to Be Alive," and uh, that <laughs> that phrase enters my mind pretty much on a daily basis these days. Oh my god. You know, it's it's a shitty fucking time to be alive, but uh, but it's still it beats the alternative. What what choice do we have but to carry on? Um, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Shot of the Dead. Yes, Shot of the Dead. Uh, okay. Send me that article. I I, I want to read it. That actually posits a very interesting sort of theory. Um, yeah, no, I certainly thought so. Okay. All right. On. So my, my very first thought. Mm-hmm. From the very first cut was, he looks so young. <laughs> Simon Pegg. Time is, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how old he actually was when he filmed this, but he's playing a 29-year-old, which yeah. freaked me out. Because, of course, the movie came out when I was in high school. You know, Simon Pegg mm -hmm. is older than me, but also, you know, Sean has to be eternally older than me. Fuck, I hate that, you know, oh, I'm like know. older than Travis Bickle and shit. Like, it's, it's getting bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he he looks so young. He's such a babe, dude. Ugh. Oh my god. 
I always thought so. All right. I always liked me oh. some Simon Pegg. Dude's begging for a pegging. <laughs> pegging for a pegging. Simon Pegg is not start... a. It's not a bad drag king name. Just not a bad. Simon oh, Pegg. I don't say porn name. Or or either way. Name, yeah. Did you make that up or have you heard that? Oh, I did not I'm... make that up. I did not oh, make okay. that up. I don't know who did. But... Okay, well, it's great. I've never heard it before, so you could have just claimed that you did make it up, and I would have been none the wiser. Though perhaps oh. some of our more savvy listeners would have called your bluff. Begging for a begging. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I also clocked the fact that he was playing a 29-year-old. And, you know, that was something that actually kind of, now that I'm on the other side of 30, it sort of annoyed me because in so many movies, so many characters are 29 and they kind of present it as like, oh, this is this is your last chance to make something of yourself. Like, after 30, it's over. Like, you're young, but you're not that young. You're getting on, but there's still hope for you. And that's just, like, such a pervasive thing in popular culture. It's like, you're either 29 or you're Diane Keaton. There's no middle ground between, like, the divorcees of a certain age getting their groove back or, like, 29 on the verge of obsolescence, I guess. That'll change. That'll change. You know, yeah, as, when we all die the... next week. When there's no more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Okay, sure. There's that. <laughs> Sorry. I uh, well, guess what else? I also think Nick Frost is super sexy. <laughs> Stephanie, no one is surprised who has heard this podcast before. <laughs> Least of all me. <laughs> so is your answer for our fuck, Mary kill, just fuck them all. And uh, that's... Nope. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll nope. get there. We'll get there. No, but I've found him super sexy for a while, too. Okay. Have you seen Kinky Boots, the movie, not the musicale? I have seen neither. Oh, okay. Kinky Boots is a feel-good movie for me that I can watch multiple times in a day mm. if I'm needing just kind of a pick-me-up. Chiwetel Ejiofar is brilliant in it. And right. Nick Frost plays this sort of um super butch shoe oh. factory worker, oh, and uh, he pulls it off. Being just okay. kind of butch and masculine and like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm Nick Frost. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? Not my type, but you do you, girl. Mm. <laughs> mm. No, because, you know, if we got to hunker down and wait out some kind of apocalypse or another, and all we got <laughs> is, you know, a little, uh, little bit of liquor and a little bit of, little bit of snacky cakes. <laughs> no, big old cuddly man to just wait that out with doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> I I love what your voice does when you're horny. I find it very entertaining. <laughs> you develop an accent that is not usually normal for you. And I quite true. appreciate it. It's true. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so... Anyway. Anyway. You know, I will say I've not been attracted to either of those guys, but I one I one thing that I will say is that I really do love their friendship and their relationship in this movie, and I like how there's this one point where David, the Dylan Moran character, says, Well, I wasn't the one who was blowing our cover by having a tiff with my boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. Might be a bit warm, the cooler's off. Thanks, babe. Thanks, babe. And I was like, oh, why is it so hot that he just called him babe? I do love a man who's comfortable in his masculinity and who is open about his love for other men, mm-hmm. whether it's sexual or not. So I, I wondered if you also went like, oh, oh at well, that line. Are you kidding me? Oh, I I okay. mean, that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> I knew in my heart. <laughs> oh, 
man. So how do we want to do this? Do we want to go through the movie like we typically go through? Like chronologically? Yeah. That sounds good. The opening scene is actually really clever. Those first couple of beats because we have mm-hmm. Sean and his girlfriend Liz, correct? Mm-hmm. They're having a bit of an argument because, you know, all they do is go out to the same bar every night and Simon Pegg always brings the Nick Frost character, Ed. And so you see Liz making this complaint and then you learn that Ed is nearby listening mm-hmm. to all of this and then she says you know that's why i bring my flatmates everywhere we go even you know and you're you're not nice to them and then we see lucy davis and dylan moran seated you know at the same exact table observing mm-hmm. the entire domestic argument it's very cute yeah that's great all-star mm-hmm. cast dude seriously yeah this whole thing i just i love the way that this whole movie is structured they make such brilliant use of echo scenes there are just these little signposts throughout the plot that'll be like Something that you see a flash of in the before time and then that you see echoed later on in a zombie context and it, it makes sense and it's it's interesting to see the parallels between just our modern lives and the way that a zombie apocalypse doesn't actually seem so far-fetched in a lot of ways. No. Like, I love the opening credits scene. You know, it's before the outbreak, but you just see people going about their daily lives on autopilot like we all do and it's like, oh fuck, everybody's already a zombie and... You know, the circumstances of our society have brought us here already, and this was kind of inevitable. Like, why shouldn't the logical conclusion be a literal zombie outbreak? Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing goes with, like, how, you know, our interconnectedness and also our slavish devotion to capitalism and work, work, working, and also, you know, fuck you, I don't want to give you free healthcare, why should I have to pay for blah, 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 like, every... Every bad thing that could go wrong, at least in the U.S., certainly in other countries too, but like it's really bad here because there's no safety net for anybody. So it's uh, it's all it's all coming. It's all coming back to bite us in the ass. Not literally as in the case here. But but... Kaylee, we're the greatest country in the world. <sighs> we're so free. Like <laughs> we're so free. We can uh, go to work die. and die. <laughs> yeah. We're so um, free. Freedom from healthcare. Yeah. Freedom from life. We're so free that people in uh, other states can vote if they have an ID with an address on it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. This this whole you know <laughs> just just talking about the way that our modern society has set us up for catastrophe it reminds me of several things it reminds me of um that great scene in monty python's the meaning of life where they're at the really big corporation of america or whatever it is and they're talking about hats and like mm-hmm. they lose sight of the bigger picture of what the actual meaning of life is and they're all just chasing increased hat sales and you know bigger profit margins or what have you mm-hmm. um I've also just been thinking, and again, this is sort of getting away from the movie at hand, which I expect we will be doing a lot in our conversation, but just with the way things are these days, I've been thinking about two Greek myths. I've been thinking about Icarus, and I've been thinking about Sisyphus. Sisyphus I've been thinking about my whole life since I first learned about him. That's just, that's how we all live, basically, and for what. But um, (laughs) with Icarus, you know, I've been... Have you ever read any of the works of Daniel Quinn? No. I feel like I recommended Ishmael to you before. Oh, he wrote Ishmael. You have. Okay. You know what? Have you read it yet? No, but I've got time. You've got time. Yeah. You should read his books. That's the first one, but there's some other follow-ups as well. And just the way that he breaks down how things got to be the way that they are and how there is an alternate model for how things could be. Oh, I forget which one it was. Maybe it was Beyond Civilization or something. I don't know. At one point during like a couple months, I read like five of his books. 
And there was something about how it would be possible to build like a society that flies. Like instead, like right now, the way that things are, it's like the way that our society is set up, we are dooming ourselves to fail and to destroy the planet and ourselves and everything. But that there is another way things don't have to be as shitty and as dangerous as they are. What? um, I know. It's crazy. Read the books. I'm totally bastardizing whatever his meaning was because I haven't read them in like six years, I guess, at this point. But the general concepts have stayed with me. And yeah, since reading those, or since even before, probably since like I first became environmentally aware with like Al Gore's documentary back in the day, I've just had this sense of like, okay, we're flying awfully close to the sun. We have been since like the Industrial Revolution or arguably since before then, but specifically with environmental catastrophes, like that's when things kind of got really amped up and, you know, our wax wings are starting to melt. And okay, at what point does it get, does it go from real to like really, really real? You know, that's just, that's something that's been on my mind. For sure. Yeah. Like this, watching this movie. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just laughing at myself. Like, you you make a very eloquent, wonderful little, you know, statement. And I go, uh, for sure. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say, uh, mm, Nick Frost, which would also be funny and in character. (laughs) There'll be plenty of time for that, you know. Oh, I know. Mm. We left plenty of room for for thirst in this episode. I've left plenty of room for... Pagan. (laughs) Um... Anyway, I was also going to say, though, that this movie just makes me so nostalgic for 2004, because I remember being in 2004, like it came out my first semester of college. So I watched it like on my Christmas break, coming back home for the first time. And, you know, that was back when we thought that George W. Bush would be the worst president that we would ever have in our lifetimes. And when we really thought that he and his administration were or could be the end of the world, like I, I miss... (laughs) feeling like that was the worst that it could get. You know, I get you. I really, really do. But I, you know, in the early, early days, immediately post-Trump election, I could be a bit of a, you know, HW apologist. But looking back, you know, taking a breath... Uh, they were very, very dangerous people. and and I'm uh, not saying that they weren't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the difference for me, and maybe this is um, something that is kind of worth talking about, is that George H.W. Bush, or he's W. Bush, not H.W., fuck. He's, yeah. What the I'll fuck? W and H.W., like, y'all are stupid. Okay. Yeah, kind of lacking creativity on the yeah, names front. Leave and all- Donald and Donald Jr. Get some new fucking names, you rich yeah leave, leave all that um so i talked to my mom about this a lot and yeah. we've talked a lot about how george w bush moronic child as he was he had very smart evil people around him doing yeah. the damage it oh, yeah. is different with donald j trump because he is a, an evil moron who is surrounded by kind of mediocre evil people who can't well, get like their shit well, there's Putin, but, you know, we do have to understand that Putin is not Cheney. Like, Cheney was in the room with George W., you know, making the evil Mr. Potter plots. Putin <laughs> is somewhere else manipulating the whole thing because Trump is an idiot and he doesn't have any smart people near him. Yeah. And, you know, the capable people, though they were evil, he's also driven away. We can't even, you know, I I don't even remember who was in his original administration because it was never even really completed and um, it's changed so much. So the difference for me is, you know, both destructive, both hideous, both taking Mm -hmm. advantage of scared, frightened people on the daily. Um, Trump scares us every single day because he's unpredictable. 
Bush and Cheney were predictable. We caught on and we knew what they were doing and it sucked that they were able to escalate things and get things done because Cheney and the people around him were calculated and they understood how things worked. Trump tweets out terrible things and we go, wait, now what's going to happen? So while we were in turmoil then as well and thought it couldn't possibly get any worse, I feel like the the one-upping of the worse is that it's every single day our nervous systems are actually working overtime to keep us from having meltdowns because this guy tweets and takes away people's rights within the tweets and incites white supremacy violence within the tweets. Mm -hmm. And World War III week was this year. Dude. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, so at least with the Bush administration, we could forget about it for a day is all I'm saying. Yeah, I think that you bring up a really good point about being predictable versus being unpredictable. Here's an analogy. Let me know if you think that this analogy has any merit. If you think of Bush Cheney as being like a serial killer, they have a very they follow a very specific pattern and a specific target, whereas Trump is like a mass shooter. He is armed with all the fucking power in the world, like an automatic weapon, just mowing down anything and everything in his sight. Regulations, groups of, you know, ethnicity, people, even like people within the department, he shut down the fucking, you know, pandemic response. It's just, you know, every, every single thing he attacks. Yes. Without discrimination. I mean, with discrimination, but, but generally without discrimination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. It's like opposite sides of the same coin, or it's like, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. George W. Bush, we are not making any excuses for him. That guy was horrible, did a lot of horrible, fucked up things and fucked Mm -hmm. us right up. Yeah. But. No, I'm definitely not You could forget about him for a day. (laughs) I'm I'm definitely not saying that I am in any way nostalgic for George W. Bush or his administration, but I am nostalgic for 2004 because back at that time, maybe it's just that I was younger and I had more hope then and I hadn't seen as much as the world of, of the world and I wasn't aware of the problems that had been growing for decades and centuries before they all came to a really disgusting head in the last however many years but I miss feeling like we were on the right track like there was a way to get out of the bad things that George W. Bush's administration had wreaked on the world mm-hmm. like another another movie that I've been thinking about a lot is Titanic which I finally just watched again yesterday great film um like we hit the iceberg a long time ago trump is not the iceberg but now is when now is when the boat cracks in half and like we lose power and we're like okay this is getting acceleratingly real and uh how much longer before we all fucking hit the water together oh uh eight years hmm (laughs) nothing i I gave you an answer to that question Yeah. No, no, no. I I agree with you. What made me nostalgic for 2004 was the fact that Sean could be plugged into the world as much as any other 29-year-old could be, going out Mm -hmm. with friends, getting up in the morning to go to work, and Mm -hmm. still miss the news that there's a zombie apocalypse taking place because (laughs) there's no smartphones. Yes, although he does seem to be pretty oblivious to it when it's on the television, but that's, I mean, that's largely for comic effect. But, but yes, I also Largely for the... comic effect, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. Sean yeah. could not be the way Sean is if this movie came out now. No, it's true. He's going to work, he goes to the convenience store and, like, kind of sees a headline, but then he gets distracted, and mm-hmm. um, it cracked me up when he is shown at work being a manager that nobody pays attention to because everyone's staring at their, like, shitty little Nokias. I'm going... <laughs> 
what are you guys even looking at? There's nothing for you to even... T9 texting there. (laughs) Nothing for you to even look at. And um, he comes home and there's the channel surfing and he misses the news. But, like, remember being young and not watching the news? Because the news was boring? Yeah, remember Remember that? Remember being young and, and looking up at the world and not seeing every single thing through a screen? Yeah. That was what made me nostalgic. Yeah, no, I also had the same thought about cell phones. Because I remember at the time, you know, when this movie came out, I was still another year away from even getting a cell phone. Sure. But at the time, I was like, oh, cell phones are the downfall of communication, and no one is in the real place anymore because they're always texting when I'm right here, flesh and blood, blah, blah, blah. But, like, smartphones are just so much worse. And I, Uh, you know, I have one, and I'm dependent on it. I'm not going to get rid of it. But, yeah, I... I just wish we could all just be adults in the 90s. Um, speaking you know of like. speaking of smartphones, I did have a bit of a Pavlovian response and I looked at my screen. Mm-hmm. There's a CNN breaking news headline. Are you fucking ready for this? Uh-oh. It's not about us, but it's horrible news. Okay. France will close all restaurants, cafes, oh. cinemas, and clubs. The prime minister says. I mean, like, good for them for being on top of their shit. Oh. It sucks that it has to happen, but, like... A Paris cafe? Right ...measures to be taking, huh? A pa- Parisian cafes? No, no, Parisians I know. Parisians can't go to cafes? Yeah, that's that's how fucking serious it is. But, like, you know, my feelings about... Like, I know so many people who've been personally affected by this, like, in the arts specifically. I have a lot of friends and, and Facebook friends who are freelancers or artists or, you know, work in the theater somehow, and so many of them have had jobs canceled or, or suspended indefinitely, or if they were in the middle of a production, it's like, oh, that was our closing night. Sorry that you're all unemployed now. And it sucks. It sucks that it has to happen, but it does have to happen. It's oh, I know. My, my feeling about all of these things, it's sort of like the concept of divorce. It's very sad when it happens to you, but it is the right thing to be happening. Like, there's no such thing as a bad divorce, if you think about it. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. Yeah. I have Nick Cave tickets for October. Please, go on, my son. Let's get this done. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> anyway, Ugh. sorry for that interjection, oh. but, like, what the no. fuck? That's a big... And that sounds that... so shitty. Oh, Parisians can't go smoke and drink espresso at sidewalk cafes. But, like, that's... That's something about the French way of life that I've always wished we could have more of here. Not per se the mm-hmm. smoking, but but mm-hmm. just the sort of, well, here I am. Yeah, the community. I'm going to sit here for two hours because what the fuck else am I doing? I don't have anywhere no, to completely. be. Let's Let's be proud to be French and sit around and eat our local food and be awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, guys. Something, Damn. Something that's really sad about the way that this, as opposed to other catastrophes, you know, it's it's just very ironic. I mean, it makes sense because it's a disease and diseases are spread from person to person. But like, we're such a social species. That's what has enabled us to evolve to be the conquerors of the rest of the planet. Uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I will leave the listeners to decide. But you know, that's that's like our, just like how apparently Parisians' signature is that they, you know, smoke and drink, you know, at a cafe. That's their thing. You know, humans' thing is that we connect with each other. And, um, you know, as, as much as we've been complaining about smartphones, I am very glad that we have the internet and that we have technology. Like, I, I haven't seen a human being since, you know, Thursday afternoon, but... I don't, I'm not going completely crazy. Oh, you didn't work yesterday. I forgot. I, well, I did work. I worked from home. But Sorry. that, that yes. was all decided very, very fast. Okay. Real talk. 
you know how post AIDS epidemic, which also the more you read about that, the more appalling it fucking is that that oh, happened. Sure. Post AIDS epidemic. If you're like, oh, hold on, let, let's get a condom. You know, mm-hmm. unless someone says to you, ew, you're a loser, it's acceptable. I mean, someone said that to me once and it was horrifying. Oh my God. Well, he didn't say, ew, you're a loser, but he said, we're not going to use a condom. And I said, I met you yesterday. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you can leave that in. I don't care. Um, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, mom. Um, So daughter practices safe sex. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Completely. Um, I wonder if like post Corona, how, you know, will social interaction be altered in in a way permanently like will wearing gloves in public become more socially acceptable because you know a couple months ago someone just wearing latex gloves in public you'd go what the fuck willy wonka kinky ass motherfucker what are you doing but if i just wear them now at the gas station or every time i touch a keypad or to the supermarket or supermarket workers wearing them i wonder if that's just something that will be the way it is yeah I'm really wondering that too. It's it's very, very tempting to think optimistically and to write this off as something that will someday be a blip, but I can't shake the feeling that this is something that will fundamentally alter life from here on out. I really hope that I'm wrong. I hope that things can get under control, but I don't at the moment see how. And unlike our dear Liz Warren, I am not not afraid. You know, we will rebuild. Things will look different, but this isn't this isn't the end. I I think this is the end for Trumpito. I really do. And I'm not trying to even boost you up. If I do boost you up in the process of saying this, good. Because you're my friend and I care about you. Likewise. But the motherfucker, like, watching him trying to lie to these journalists yesterday. Mm -hmm. This is a concrete thing. There is, Mm -hmm. you know, a point A to point B. People get sick and it can get worse. And that is awful. And this is happening to Americans, whether they supported Trump or not. Mm -hmm. And this is not a matter of, well, I don't care what's on the phone call, the Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. You're trying to take away my insurance. There's no way of really justifying his response to this. And, And there are people who forever will, but they're not enough to get him reelected. And if this thing does truly lead to some kind of collapse, this does not look good for him. This this does not look good, and it is definitive. It's not sort of nebulous and political and technical and requires much reading or attention well, paying. It really doesn't. But going back to, you know, liberals' fears about the right and as they pertain to zombies, it's the thing of not being able to think for themselves. And Fox News, like, if you look at some of the clips of them talking about it, they're blaming it all on China and saying, well, you know, this this Wuhan flu, the Chinese coronavirus, blah, blah, blah. They're doing everything that they can to not place any blame at Trump's feet. No, I know. Yes, so for rational people, that's a very fair assessment, and I hope that it proves true. But, you know... For years now, we've been living in a world where facts don't even matter, where facts are in fact partisan somehow, and people can live in completely opposing realities, leading these parallel lives in these parallel universes. It's it's really upsetting to me. That's one of the many breakdowns of- I understand um, that, but let's be real. I don't think I know many Republicans, Yeah. whether they are crazy or just Republicans. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know any. I don't know if yeah. you do. I mean, I- like, Jama's boyfriend's parents. Okay. And our old neighbors back in Agora. Okay. So you've named two examples. 
Yeah, I mean, there are other people. Those are the ones that I've had the most contact with. And okay. And them, like, not very much. But, so we're, but we're, you know. We are, as liberals, we are hyper-focused on the people who believe everything that man says because that is foreign to us and very weird. Mm -hmm. And we try to wrap our heads around that. I was listening to Larry Wilmore's podcast the other day, and his guest was one of the guys who's on Pod Save America who recently wrote a book about untrumping the country. Ooh. And this guy brought up points about the election in 2016 that I really hadn't thought much about. And, well, there are people who are registered Republicans who, mm -hmm. for reasons we don't even need to get into, could not bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton, but also weren't ever going to fucking vote for Trump. So they sat the thing out, assuming there was no way he would win. <laughs> like, there are plenty of those people, too. There's the base, yeah. but, but that base is a lost cause, and there aren't enough of them. But there are the people who sat it out, assuming it could never happen. And there's also the fucking voter suppression to factor in as well. Oh, so sure. I think that, you know, the argument this guy poses is Donald Trump could not possibly have won a general election against anybody other than one of the most polarizing political figures in American history. That's true. He also couldn't have won if we'd just done the popular vote, which we should there's have that too. after, you know, there's that too. So I don't know, man. I think as this thing gets more and more out of hand and that guy stays more and more himself, people will get mad. And the people who sat this shit out last time will not do that again. That is yeah. that is something I truly believe could happen. Well, I mean, I hope not. I, I'm worried about, and I have been worried about, since Bernie announced that he was running again, I am worried about the people on our side who are threatening to sit out if he's not the nominee. There are a lot of comforting statistics, though, about how many of those are out there as well. It's really? not a lot. And I'm hoping that they're also mostly concentrated in blue states where it doesn't matter which way we vote. Look, I am going to send you this podcast because it oh, really helped me a lot. Joe Biden did not just win the southern states. He swept them and new voters showed up for him. Never thought I'd say this, but God bless the South. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry for because all the shit I've talked about you. It's not you, not the Democratic registered. You you know who I'm talking about. You probably hate them too. Yeah. So um, there's stuff that we ingest because of headlines and because we're just constantly being mind fucked by breaking news over and over and over again. But there is information out there that suggests that, yes, he's the president and, and we've tried to fix that and it hasn't worked because people are corrupt and the the wrong kind of corrupt people are in the wrong place at the right time. Let's let's mm -hmm. be real about that too. Um, yeah. Let's let Ted Cruz continue isolating until the end of time as well. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Um, yeah. All right. So. All right, well, that, that was comforting. Sean of, Sean of yeah. the dead. No, what were you going to say? Oh, well, I was just going to say, thanks, babe. <laughs> But back to the film. <laughs> back to the film. Oh, this is so wonderful. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I haven't seen this movie in years, and I somehow forgot that Bill Nye was in it Me until too. I saw him again. And then I was like, oh my god, I'm so happy to see you. I always love him. He's always the same in every movie, and I'm never sad to see him. But Did is you he... see Emma yet? No. Well, and now I don't know if I will. Now so. you probably can't, but... At whatever point it's streaming, definitely see it. He's he, I love the movie so much. It's my favorite movie of 2020. And depending on how things go, it may stay my favorite movie of 2020 because I may never see a movie again. Oh God. The future is unknown. Birds of but, Prey um, is remaining my favorite movie of 2020. I had the greatest okay, it, time. I, it's, uh, it's very different, but, uh, but also fun. <laughs> right. 
but is Bill Nye doing something different with his accent? He sounds more plummy or something. <laughs> he sounds oh, kind of funny. Interesting. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. He's one of those actors where I can't ever see him as anything other than oh, there's Bill Nye being Bill Nye in another movie, yeah. and and like I said, it works. He's he's a chameleon that never changes this color of his skin somehow. Correct. So he's a uh, he's Sean's evil stepdad. Yeah. Yes. Not evil. Not until he becomes a zombie. <laughs> exactly. Is Sean supposed to go to his mom and stepdad's house for dinner or something? Or they're all supposed to go out and that also lines up with him promising Liz he's going to take her out and there's a big yeah, debacle over, I, over that. I think it was something, maybe it was her birthday recently and so he was supposed to give her flowers. I don't know. He, he's somehow been remiss in his, his sonly duties. <laughs> yes. Uh, Remiss in his sonly duties. Filial. And then he That's also fine. realizes he's forgotten to make reservations at a nice restaurant to take Liz out. And dude, when he hung up with the restaurant and then put the phone in his mouth, I went, <laughs> no! <laughs> in many ways, this is a movie for our times. In other ways, this is not a movie for our times. I know. It, it's like watching Humphrey Bogart lighting cigarette after cigarette and going, don't do it, buddy. But now it's like, oh no, he touched his face. <laughs> don't do it. Don't put foreign objects in your mouth. Yeah. Well. Well. Nothing. <laughs> I will say, though, I think that this is one aspect in which watching the movie now is a different experience than watching it back in the day. Because... I think that the whole world has gotten more like f- feminist since that time. And I remember seeing Liz when she's just yelling at him and nagging about all of the things that he's done wrong and thinking like, oh, she's such an unfun, screaming bitch, whatever. And I had so much empathy, which is a word that was coined by Kate Mann, the author of the book that I'm reading right now about misogyny. Um, and, uh, you know, and I thought that Liz was just so, so horrible and unpleasant. But then if you actually listen to the things that she's saying, she's right. He hasn't done a damn thing. He's kind of a piece of shit. He's not evil. He doesn't mean any ill. But, you know, if you have one job and you can't even do that, he only had to make a reservation, which takes one minute if you do it on time. You know, I will say I clocked the same thing. Mm -hmm. I, of course, remember watching it in college and thinking, oh, my God, poor Sean. He's so hot and he has a British accent. But um, (laughs) much like when I would watch Coupling when I was 15, you know, it's kind of the same thing. I watch it now and I go, what the fuck? (laughs) The the empathy. I like that. But the film itself doesn't try to make her out to be the bitch. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I'm just talking about my own bias. Same. Same. Wait, okay, I have to interject really quickly. Are you caught up on Vanderpump Rules? Uh, no, but once again... May I spoil one tiny thing that was revealed in the last episode? Okay. It's not like a huge... Okay, so basically just thinking about the whole, oh, you had one job and you couldn't even do that. So it was revealed that Tom Schwartz, basically his and Katie's wedding, she took care of everything. His only job was that he was in charge of sending off the marriage license and he didn't even do that. He lost it. So they're not technically married and haven't been for the last three years. <laughs> How fucking priceless is that? Okay. I love Schwartzy, but he's so useless. And yet, why do I love Schwartzy? At the end of the day, I don't even know. Because he's like a puppy dog. He is so stupid and useless, but he, he means you no harm. <laughs> oh God, the bar is so fucking low. We have known this for a while, yes. <laughs> oh my fucking Christ. Here, well, the, the real reason that I love him is the same reason that I love anybody on the show is because he's entertaining. Because he's entertaining and he's one of the least horrible people on that show. He's not an alcoholic. 
He hasn't been verbally abusive to anybody. He's not an alcoholic. Got... They kind of all oh, are. Oh, is he? Maybe he is. Well, he's less of an alcoholic than some of the others. What, what was his math about doing the half shots? He was trying to cut down on drinking, and he oh, was man. saying, look, you can have either three full shots or six baby shots, and that's still half the amount of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that. I'm wrong. They're definitely all alcoholics, but some of them are like desperately in need of getting on the wagon sooner than others and this i'd is... say that he's maybe a harmless alcoholic oh my god but yo even i thought i know that math <laughs> that math <laughs> is not good math that is that, that is, is very funny that is not right um, math but one thing that i will say in sean's defense is that even though he starts off as a kind of loser everyman who can't do anything right, uh, even though he has very few responsibilities. He has to show up to a, a job in a store, he has to buy his mom flowers, and he has to make a reservation for dinner at his girl. Like, that's, that's the easiest to-do list I have ever heard. But what I will say is that he does become a hero and he rises to the occasion of the moment. You know, by being a lazy dude who fritters away much of his life playing video games, he is prepared. And even though his plan doesn't ultimately prove fruitful in that it gets most of their party killed, he at least tries something. And that is why he is the hero that, uh, that he is. I gotta say, David done fucked that up. I blame David <laughs> for a lot of that plan going wrong. Oh, yeah. No, that is that is certainly very true. Mm-hmm. He bungled many a thing. He did. I had a quite different reaction to David this time around, too. I understand he's Dylan Moran and mm-hmm. move over, get on in here, yes. But, um, okay, what the fuck? But I did Do you not want me to leave. I did not have much love for David this time. Well, I mean, here's the thing. David is I'd say that he's the villain of the movie because there's nobody else who is quite as incompetent and mean and you know, apart from the mindless zombies who they can't really help it. They're more a force than a character. David's definitely the one that you're supposed to hate, I think. But this being a comedy, he's also funny. And so I, I guess I love him in the same way that uh, to bring things back to Vanderpump Rules, like I love Jax or James. Well, I don't like James that much. But like, you know, someone who's like, oh, you're a fuck up and I hate everything that you do and I would not want to be your friend in person. But I love watching you because I'm entertained. Sure. And it doesn't hurt that you're really fucking hot. And those glasses, my God, stop it. Just stop it. No, he looked freaking good. He looked freaking mm-hmm. good. But there was a line of Sean's and this is once he has learned of the zombie apocalypse and he's really the only one who grabs a fucking cricket bat and starts bashing these things in the head he does that and he has a plan and he also has a plan to win back his girlfriend because liz does rightfully break up with him but there's a point where he beats all these bitches down and then he turns to david and ed Mm -hmm. who he loves but he and he says feel free to step in at any time Mm -hmm. and i just thought Oh, that is so where I'm often at. Never have I ever had to guide a group of loved ones to safety in an emergency yet. Mm -hmm. uh, Knock wood. But that idea of feel free to step in at any time. I mean, you'll probably understand this. That's how I often felt during comedy sports performances. (laughs) 
<laughs> sometimes, yeah. or, or, or maybe practice more so. Sometimes I felt like, feel free for someone else to step in at any time. You know, I have probably been guilty of sitting on the bench way too long in comedy sports practices in high school because I was very afraid of fucking up. And so probably in doing so, fucked things up more for my teammates because I didn't have the foresight to realize that it's not about me. However, I've had that exact feel free to step in anytime in so many feminist arguments. Oh. Like uh, when I was talking about say Louis C.K. or the you know, the guy who plays Bernardo in the current revival of West Side Story who was implicated in a Me Too scandal and suffered no consequences and like honestly wasn't even talented enough to justify it. Not that I'm saying that being talented justifies any kind of abuse or harassment or you know anything bad that you do to another human being but like there's a certain threshold after which I get why people will stand by the other person even though I personally disagree with it like Kobe was a very, very good basketball player, and I understand why people loved him. Michael Jackson, horrible monster in terms of what he did to the little boys, but, like, you can't... His, his talent is unimpeachable, and I still love his music. I feel bad about it, but I do. And then, you know, it, when when you side with an abuser and they're underwhelming and, like, replaceable, like, you could have found somebody just as good, that, to me, is sending a very powerful political message that you actively don't give a fuck about women or whoever it is that's been abused by these people oh for so, sure stop touching your face shut up okay anyway dude um, we, we might actually have had the very last kobe bryant tribute though i think the global pandemic finally wiped it out because there was something playing in the break room i think earlier this week or late last week and i was having the thought of okay i feel terrible i don't mean to be insensitive but we fucking know and yeah. uh haven't heard about that since so thank yeah. god no, that's there's a lot of no i i hear you yeah. It's it's complicated, like we said. Um, yeah, this is something that I cut out when we were recording one of our episodes, but Stephanie actually got the notification about <laughs> Kobe Bryant's death while we were recording. Was it was it the premiere that we were recording? We were yeah, recording extras. It was. Yeah. Um, I cut out where we talked about it because it seemed like insensitive and weird, but that was just just like this uh, CNN breaking news about France. Uh, we've we've learned a lot of stuff while recording this podcast, oh, not wow. necessarily pertaining to what we're talking about. Yeah, no, that was that was a weirdy. I remember that. Yes. Okay, wait. Time out, real quick. I need to pee. Feel free to be as boring or as entertaining as you want in my absence. Oh, okay. Be a minute. Maybe I'll flash my titties. Yeah. <laughs> Kaylee tripped. She's also wearing her um, purple velvet pants that she wears whenever she records this podcast because secretly, you guys, Kaylee may be Lisa Simpson, okay, in public. Like, she might project that, but deep inside, that bitch is Prince. Oh, yeah. You don't have to be beautiful. To turn me on. Like, Kaylee's got like purple walls, okay? Making it purple rain and all that shit. And she's got purple velvet pants, as I said. She's got mirrors, alright? And I'm looking in this mirror and I can see this reflection of these like fucking purple drapes, okay? I haven't seen her bedroom in a very long time, so I don't remember what it looks like. Maybe she has a circular bed. Okay, or maybe she has a canopy bed with more purple ass shit, all right? She's got black curly hair, and she works out a lot, and she's coming back. I would have been back sooner, but I had to wash my hands properly for the first time ever. Got it. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. Okay, cool, cool. 
where are we in the plot? We've kind of been jumping around a little bit. Well, uh, I guess we were just talking about his relationship with Liz and yeah. his plan to get her back after she rightly dumps him for not pulling his weight in the relationship or doing anything. It's that same thing that you said about Tim in the office, just being a completely mediocre white man. The bar is so low. Right. Except this time, I don't think we're meant to have sympathy for him, though, which we no, did kind of talk about as well. So he and Ed go out to get drunk. Ed's right there yeah. for him. And, you know, in my recollection, Ed doesn't say anything mean about Liz, does he? Um, I don't. I don't really remember. Oh, wait, but there was there was one more thing that I wanted to say about Liz when she's breaking up with him, mm. which is that there's just this quote that I love so much that felt too real, which is, if I don't do something, I'm going to end up in the pub every night for the rest of my life like those other sad old fuckers drinking myself to death, wondering what the hell happened. Oof. Anyway, go on. <laughs> Are you thinking of a specific ex as you say that out loud? Or no? Oh, no, no, no. That had oh. nothing to do with... I, 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 when I say do something, when she says do something, she means break up with him and somehow shake up her life. I mean just, like, it, thinking about life in general. It's that, that panic that I felt when I was 29 that is no less prevalent now that I'm 33. Like, I don't want to end up having wasted my life or having felt like I've wasted my life. Oh. Um Got it. Well, yes. at least you will have wasted it for no one but yourself. Damn straight. That is so fucked up. I am so... <laughs> Wait, what's fucked up? Well, because... I... Oh, well, that's great. You took that exactly as I meant it. It's not an insult that you don't have a man. I know it's not an insult. Okay. Look, I, no, there was a time in recent past when I would have been devastated by any reminder of the fact that I am single. But now... You know, I know that I'm not the only woman in this position, but I have not been on a date since the 2016 election. I have several other friends for whom that is the case. I know that you have not been in a relationship, like a serious relationship, since the 2016 election. It's um, the number of hoops that one has to go through in the dating world, particularly as a woman. It's just not worth it. Like, I don't want to bend over backwards trying to get one of you fuckers when you're kind of destroying the world and my soul. No offense. I'm sure some of you out there are lovely. I'm sure those same ones of you are also married or gay, so. Exactly. Yeah. Just bend over forward and set a timer. <laughs> I will allot you 15 minutes. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm sorry. Begging for a begging? Is that, where, is that where you're going? No, you said bend over backwards to get one of these fuckers and I got horny. Okay, yeah. Well, but when you said bend over forwards, I thought you were instructing the man to bend over. Oh, I was instructing you. Oh, okay. Bend over forwards sure and set a timer for 15 minutes. But, <laughs> you know, your idea is way better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Less complicated, I think. Yeah. Anyway. So it's cute when they leave the pub and you see that little sign that says, please leave quietly and they're singing and they're drunk and everything's mm -hmm. going to be okay. And they have the line, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And you start to see they encounter a zombie, but they don't know it. They think they yes. are looking at a wasted fucking Jakey who can't mm -hmm. even walk. We know that that's not what they're seeing, but the zombie is lit in shadow and it's mm -hmm. very, very funny. And so they wake up the next day. Sean's completely hungover. He goes to his normal convenience store to buy some diet coke and there are these zombies in the street but he's ignoring them because he's got this hungover tunnel vision he's just mm -hmm. on the mission to get the diet coke and yeah. he comes home and they have no idea until a zombie actually crashes through their door or their window or whatever the news is on right and the newscaster says yeah. that you have to destroy the brain 
So they Correct. beat this thing to death. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the first examples of an echo scene is you see him walking along a deserted street, the same exact path that you had seen him walk the previous day when there's been like a car that honks at him and a bicyclist and a child and everything. And this time the street is oddly deserted, which is very much like what the streets of Manhattan have been like when mm. I've been out among them uh, the last week or so. And again, that kind of reminded me of Sisyphus and how we go, we travel on these well-worn paths every day. We're sort of on autopilot, not really paying attention to our surroundings. And then, yeah, at the convenience store, there's the bloody handprints on the beverage case that he doesn't even notice, partly because, yes, he is hungover, but also partly because, I mean, I think that that's very realistic, that in an urban setting, especially, you wouldn't necessarily notice stuff like that. Like, if this took place in a small town, there might be something odd about blood. On <laughs> but, you know, people who live in cities are so jaded, you often don't look up when something is amiss, because there's always someone, you know, screaming who's crazy on the subway, and so you learn not to give them all your attention. You sort of develop a sense of when something's a real threat versus when something's just an annoyance that you can tune out. Mm -hmm. Actually, this kind of reminds me of a few years back, my dad was visiting the city for the first time since both my sister and I had moved here. Uh, and we were living about five blocks apart at the time. And my dad, who spent, you know, his youth in New York in the 70s and 80s, he had a very different idea of what was safe, you know, what areas were safe in New York and what were not. So he was always really worried about me and JMO whenever we would call him on our walk home or whatever. And he was just so enchanted with how nice the, the neighborhood was. And he liked both of our apartments. And he was like, I feel so much better now about you guys being in this place. Like it was, it's completely different from when I was living here, like when it was just lots of drugs and murders and then that was i remember the night of the super bowl and we watched the halftime show it was the one where Katy perry was so whatever whatever year that was with the lion the big lion and roar and uh i walked home and like either 10 minutes before or 10 minutes after i walked home there was a shooting in front of a deli that I had just passed uh, on the way from my sister's apartment. I think one person died, maybe another one was injured, but it was like a gang-related shooting, and uh, it was a very snowy winter. Ooh. And so there was um, there was blood in the ice. Like, there, there was, it froze. And so for, like, weeks afterwards, there was just this pink ice that was the blood of a dead man. Ooh. Uh, but you know, I would just sort of walk past it on my way to work and be like, oh yeah, there's the blood from the, from the shooting. Like you, you do, you do sort of learn to cope with anything is what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's kind of an interesting commentary on modern life that he, you know, it, on the one hand, it's funny because how can he be so oblivious? But on the other hand, like we've all been oblivious to some pretty blatantly wrong things in our lives. This is true. Oh goodness. I have a, a person who is unhoused mm -hmm. because homeless person is not nice. I learned that recently and I thought that makes sense. But yeah, Phil, my buddy Phil, mm. super nice dude. I often see him in the same parking lot, either outside Starbucks or CVS or Sprouts. And yeah. Phil is someone I will give a dollar or two to, especially yeah. since the first time we interacted and I said, let me see what I've got for you. He said, you look like Scarlett Johansson. And Aww, I thought, okay, well, let's give him $2. <laughs> but he remembers me, and I remember him. Yeah. And he'll be like, I thought that was you. And I go, how you doing, man? So I hadn't Aww. seen him for months. Yeah. And then I saw him outside CVS last week, and I was on the phone, and I said, I'm going to be right back for you. And so mm -hmm. I got cash inside, and I gave him 10 bucks because I figured yeah. this is what I would have given Phil in the intervening time. Yeah. And then this corona stuff got crazy, and I thought, poor Phil. What's going to oh, happen yeah. to Phil? Oh, yeah. And I saw him in that parking lot a couple nights ago when he was sleeping at a table. And I thought, I, I, I'm pretty confident he's sleeping. Yeah. But I thought one of these, oh, God, 
like someone might someday walk right past Phil and not even register that the poor guys succumbed to fucking Corona. Like this is so completely. That's yeah, gonna happen to so many people. Yeah, no, it's, it's so sad. It's really terrifying to think about and, and so many vulnerable populations. Like people are gonna on, get yeah. used to it, like they're used to blood on ice, or like you know, yeah. I mean, nothing's coming to me quite like what you just said. But yeah. yeah, I did think about the homeless population. It's really crushing, and I I hate the the hardening of of heart that one has to undergo in order to live in a place with a large population like Mm. if you if you break down crying every time you see a needy person like you wouldn't be able to get five minutes onto your commute it's really awful and i really am mad at myself for how like callous i've become about it i mean i i don't you know i'm I'm not one of those people who's gonna yell get a job or get angry or annoyed at anybody who asks me for money but like you know even if i do like or when i do give money to people like there's only so much I carry on me and so by the end of the day I've got nothing left to give because oh sure of you, course. you encounter so many people who need so much yeah no I'm just the state of the world man it feels really it's felt hopeless for a long time even before this last week or couple weeks but ugh, it is accelerating fast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so Sean of the dead <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna Look, be our catchphrase for this episode <laughs> I know you've only probably ever had one hangover in your life, but can you imagine? Oh, I've never even had a hangover. Oh, I thought you had one. No, no. I puked because there was too much sugar in the drinks that I, but I didn't have a headache or anything. I just, I felt nauseous. I threw up. I felt fine. Oh, because watching the movie last night, I thought, whoa, he's been hung over this whole day. Look at him go. Oh, that would never have even occurred to me because that's an area of life with which I am unfamiliar. Okay, well, the stumbling to a convenience store and just buying a bunch of Diet Coke was hugely <laughs> relatable. Got and it. I okay. just thought, whoa, I, I'm seeing this thing in a whole new light. He really is a mega hero at the end of this day. He's mm-hmm. not even drinking water and he's only thinking of other people. Yeah. Oh, anyway. bless Sean. So then he, he writes down in his drunken state the night before the shit goes down. He writes down on the little dry erase board on his fridge, go around mums, get Liz back, sort life out, exclamation point. And then he has thus set himself up on a series of very simple quests that he will fulfill in the in the coming 24 hours and with the news of the zombie apocalypse that uh that makes everything it exacerbates things oh yes what's that mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah there are so many fun little running jokes and so many great little bits of foreshadowing like there's the time when he runs into the jessica stevenson character who basically spends the whole movie having a parallel zombie battling team and they'll sort of meet up periodically and you know how are you doing surviving oh that's great glad somebody made it and so at first she's talking about his relationship with Liz and how they're still together after three years and then by the end it's the fact that he and Liz are the only two survivors in their party mm-hmm. and then there's other things like you know next time I see you you're dead they say to the roommate who is the first to succumb to the zombies oh and also what the mean roommate says to Ed you want to live like an animal go and live in the shed you thick fuck I was like oh that's brilliant because mm-hmm. that is what ends up happening that however I did mishear it and <laughs> I thought he said you want to live like an owl <laughs> which is very specific And that made me think of you because I know you like owls. I love owls. Your mom Mm. always sends me videos of owls and she finds the greatest, like, creepiest, wonderful ones. Uh, Have you ever seen a, I almost said a shaved owl, but that's not right because they have feathers and you wouldn't shave them. But an owl without feathers? They're crazy. 
Mm-hmm. They don't look like owls. They don't look like owls. Yeah, mm-hmm. owls I love and I think they're beautiful, but I also am afraid of them. It's everything at once. Oh, that's great. That's like me and Batman when I was a little kid. Or like dinosaurs. You know, when I was Ooh. a little kid, I loved, love, love, love dinosaurs. I begged my parents to take me to see Jurassic Park a second time. I oh, truly yeah. did not understand that Sam Neill and Laura Dern were supposed to be dating. <laughs> and this when is the we... second time that this has come up oh, on has this it? podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking about um, American Gothic when we were talking. I think it was oh! in our last episode. And then, <laughs> and then you were talking about Jurassic Park. <laughs> To be fair, that was like several weeks ago, and by weeks I mean lifetimes ago. Look, uh, by the time by the time this podcast is over, we'll both have turned into Joe frickin' Biden. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) we could do worse. Anyway, oh god, wow, that's the thing we'll keep coming back to. Like we'll all have these little loops, like old people. I know I already talked about how when we're all in the nursing home, we're gonna think Barack Obama is still president. I mean, I hope that's where our minds get frozen. I hope I don't wake up in this nightmare every day and never get past. uh... Well, I mean, when my Yaya started slipping into dementia, she thought that like her dad was still alive Mm. and she reminisced about hilarious things, never talked about things like the Depression or World War II or any horrible stuff. She was very childlike and she she thought everybody was alive. So, yeah, yeah right. maybe our brains will protect us that much by the, oh, man. By well, the there's, time there's we're... There's a silver lining of dementia. That's something to look forward to about getting old. 42 years old. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So then, never mind. You'll all hear my, uh, my commentary on Laura Turn and Sam Neill being a couple <laughs> in Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, why Sam Neill? He's not even, like, a justifiable mega babe. Like, oh, well, George Clooney's way too old for her, but damn, it's George Clooney, I understand. It's nothing like that. <laughs> okay, so that's the thing that you're going to be saying in the nursing home. I think I'm going to be talking a lot about Fred and Ginger movies and Stephen Sondheim yes, lyrics, if this yes. podcast has been any indication. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so back to Sean at the dead. <laughs> That's the other thing we'll be saying in the nursing home. <laughs> Something great that was also very 2004-ish. So before there's a zombie that actually enters their home, they see a zombie in their yard. Mm-hmm. And they just think there's a drunk girl in the garden. And so they mm-hmm. go outside. And when they realize there's something wrong with her and that she's going to attack them, they stab her. And when they pull whatever said stabbing object out of her abdomen, there's just like a gaping hole there, but she's able to keep walking because they've not, you know, destroyed her brain. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he's supposed to have had this in his hand the whole time, but Ed pulls out a disposable camera and you hear him do the turning of the little creaking thing. And Sean bats it away like, not fucking now. But I thought, oh, wow. That's adorable. The disposable camera that you would happen to have that. And of course you would want a picture of that, whether you were taking it via (laughs) smartphone or regular camera. But I love that he he pulls that out and it's like, now is not the time. Whereas now it is always socially acceptable to just be fucking filming everything. No, it's true. And honestly, it it still would be funny if the movie were made today, if he pulled out his iPhone. But how much better is it to have the creaky noise of rolling over the next picture? It's, It's great. I know. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, this seems like a stupid thing to say about a comedy, but there's so much great humor in this. Like, even though, you know, the stakes are very real. Like, it's not it's not like a spoof in the same way that, like, Scary Movie is or something like that. 
it's still very much living within its genre, but, or, you know, walking undead within its genre, I should say. But, like, just the way that they fight the zombies, like, they're throwing records, and Sean is having to decide in a split second which ones are worth parting with and which ones are too valuable to use. I did appreciate the uniquely English jokes about losing a first press of Blue Monday and deciding to sacrifice Dire Straits. Anyway. Yeah. No, it's great. And then, oh God, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I think the first time that I saw it, my favorite moment of the entire movie that made me laugh the hardest is when they are in the Winchester and they are all beating the proprietor with pool cues while Queen is playing. (laughs) Don't stop me now. It's so good. And they're all just rhythmically pounding. Oh, it's, it's great. That was very, yeah. Tonight I'm going to have myself a real good time. I feel alive. Awesome. No. They do have this really funny back and forth about where they're going to wait everything out. So, what's the plan? Right. We take Pete's car, we drive over to Mum's, we go in, we take care of Philip. I'm so sorry, Philip. Then we grab Mum, we go over to Liz's place, pull up, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Why have we got to go to Liz's? Because we do. She dumped you. I have to know if she's all right. Why? Because I love her. All right, gay. I'm not staying there, though. Why not? If we hole up, I want to be somewhere familiar, I want to know where the exits are, and I want to be allowed to smoke. Okay. Take Pete's car, go round Mum's, go in, deal with Philip. Sorry, Philip. Grab Mum, go to Liz's, pick her up, Bring her back here, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Perfect. No, 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 wait, we can't bring her back here. Why not? Well, it's not exactly safe, is it? Mm, Yeah. The state of it. Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! So they go to get Mum and Bill Nighy first, and we learn when he first calls his mom Barbara, which I love Mm -hmm. very much because my mother is Barbara, and that is just such a great mom name. And my mom will be the first to say it. My mom's like, I never meet children named Barbara. (laughs) <laughs> whose name is Barbara? I'm the last Barbara. Um, the last Barbara. <laughs> but she did meet one little girl named Barbara recently. Um, well, recently in the last couple of years when she was giving a tour at the Getty, which has been suspended. Um, yes. But imagine. we learn from Barbara that Bill Nighy has been bitten. And mm-hmm. so the stakes are high as they rush over to go pick up the both of them. And I love the way that Ed leans in and says, we're coming to get you, Barbara. Because I just think of my mom. Yeah, I do love this whole plot line. Like, I love when he first arrives at their house and then he says, Mom, how much do you love Philip? That's such a good good line. Yeah, don't forget to kill Philip. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but Philip hasn't devolved into full-on zombie yet, which Mm -hmm. makes it kind of... Ticking time bomb all the more scary. And of course I thought of the virus again because he's like, ah, leave me alone. I feel fine. I'm going to be fine. Mm Because I feel like that's something I'm hearing from a lot of people who are older than me. It's like, ah, it's going to be fine. It's like the fucking flu. I'm like, I hope so. And then eventually when Bill Nye does succumb to the zombie bite, his little dying speech to Sean just breaks my heart so much. It's so 
you aren't you aren't expecting real feelings in a movie that's as like over the top and outrageous as, as this one but it's it's really touching being a father is not easy what you were 12 when i met you already grown up so much i just wanted you to be strong and and not give up because you lost your dad philip you don't have to explain huh? no I, d I do i i always loved you sean and I always thought you had it in you to, to do well. And you just need motivation, somebody to look up to. And I, I thought it could be me. Just take care of your mum. There's a good boy. say that there's more than one kind of serious moment like that that brings everything back to earth and mm -hmm. Simon Pegg acts the shit out of them. His heartbreak over Liz is very believable, his reaction to his stepdad's dying speech is very believable, and then eventually when he does have to, you know, when someone has to kill Barbara, that's that's yeah. very sad as well. A lot, of, a lot of good acting. Well done, Simon. But they have to just kind of abandon the car that they're in. Everybody's in the car at that point, right? They've got Liz yes. and, and her flatmates. Yeah. yeah. So they then have to walk from where they leave Bill Nighy in the car to the Winchester. And I had a great time with just what an adventure that was. There was more than one moment when I watched this movie last night that I actually gasped out loud. I was mm. laughing, but I was also really, really nervous. And oh, the yeah. dialogue felt very realistic, the way that they couldn't all get it together because they all are harboring their own resentments toward each other. And those, those things come out in disaster situations. But David was full on pissing me off from the jump. And I just kind of didn't remember remember the reveal at the end about what a bastard he's kind of always been but I could sense it. I mean I don't want to say that he's my favorite character but he's one of my favorite ones to watch. I love Dylan Moran and Lucy Davis in this so much. They're such an odd couple. I would like to talk about their relationship because she is sort of a flaky failed actress. She, she's wonderful. Uh, she plays it very very funny. You get the sense that this character would be sweet and likable and, and a fun hang. But he's just this awful person that you, we all know someone whose friend's boyfriend is is that douche who is completely dour never smiles or says a kind word is always right about things and is kind of just just a sourpuss um mm -hmm. who <laughs> in the event of a zombie apocalypse actively derails your mission um yeah you don't want that guy on your team and it's later revealed that diane has been aware this whole time that he has been carrying a torch for their friend liz and uh just settled for her but that she came to terms with it uh and I just sort of wonder, oh, it makes me feel so bad for her. Like, Diane, you deserve so much better than someone who's so miserable. And I mm -hmm. wonder what the attraction was there in the first place. Maybe it was just the glasses. There are other men out there with glasses, sweetie. Wait, okay. I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I never actually picked up on the fact that they were together. Really? Do they ever show any affection? No. I mean... Wait. I'm, now I'm... You're probably right. I always assumed that they were, but now I'm thinking it's like, oh, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. It tracks. Like, I well, need to... Well, because she says to him at the end, I know you only ever started hanging out with me to get close to Liz. She doesn't say you're only okay. dating me because you wish you were dating Liz. Because, yes, I That's... do need things spelled out to me like that. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe... God, maybe they're not a couple. I always assumed they were a couple. Okay, watching it this time, I just assumed he was one of those creepy guys who just always has to be near a woman. Sorry, y'all. I mean, no, that might make sense. 
wow okay now i'm i'm starting to question reality you guys yo i I mean you know you know why i'm seeing that with that filter not to go into it but you know why i'm seeing it that way oh no i do i do that makes sense um yeah i guess i just sort of assumed based on the way that he wow oh that's crazy i've been no viewing the world through such a heteronormative lens i'm i'm just making things up and filling in the blanks well he's just such a loser that i always just kind of figured oh he's just got to be around these women to bolster his sad ass up but like if she wasn't his girlfriend i guess my question is why would she be upset why would it need to be something that she came to terms with if she didn't love him and why would she love him if she weren't already dating him well look she 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 might love him she never says but again but but like why sort of in the same way as like okay but that we we don't know we don't know i'm giving way too much thought to this we don't know why anyone loves liz yeah but um i do think that if someone of any gender cozied up to me to be my best friend specifically to get to my other best friend (laughs) i mean that would that would piss me off are you kidding no that makes sense yeah well i guess i've learned something today i've learned several things today no it's it's look i mean (laughs) black adder season two oh my god (laughs) yeah at least i watched the whole movie i just layered on my own so where were we we were still in the movie and their journey to get to the winchester but i just wanted to ask you if you've ever not when i say fantasize i mean not like in an excited way but like in it have you ever imagined an apocalypse scenario or a zombie apocalypse scenario and if so like is this this is the kind of thing that i feel like friends in college would talk about like deciding what the plan would be and who would be who i was wondering if you had any sense of what role you would play or what is your winchester if you have one like what would you consider a safe space oh um michael actually suggested one two days ago and it was pretty pretty good he had been telling us you know it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine everybody it's fine and then freaking tom hanks and rita wilson were oh my god fucking happened and he said if tom hanks dies of coronavirus we should all cash out every dollar we have in the bank buy cool ranch doritos celeste pizza ling lings and fill the swimming pool with good wine because it is over (laughs) (coughs) i'm choking on some water i'm not exhibiting symptoms she's not (coughs) pardon me yeah that's a good plan yeah That's as far as I've ever gotten. I mean, prior to the pandemic, I'd think like, oh, I'll cash everything in and I'll go live very simply in some countryside somewhere. You know, I've thought about that. I guess whenever I think about the the downfall of civilization, um, I always think that I wouldn't want to survive it Mm. because I'm not a survivor. I mean, like, I'm not a survivalist. I'm not someone who is cut out to function without the internet and grocery stores. Mm. Uh, I'm very much an indoor person, which is why fighting this particular disease is like kind of in my wheelhouse not to brag but as a general rule i think that i would be pretty useless if i were to if i were called upon to be part of a band of uh, of zombie fighters oh okay. so my feeling has always been you know i'm a vegetarian anyway like eat me first that's fine i don't mind sacrificing myself for the cause but i really don't want to have to live in a world that is so drastically different from the one that i grew up in even though the one that i grew up in certainly has a fuck ton of flaws uh many of which we are experiencing right now but um i just don't like change and i don't think i'd be very useful post civilization wow okay i have have given this a lot of thought increasingly in recent years there's actually (laughs) drink there's a part in the sondheim musical into the woods where cinderella's stepmother says 
Some people are cut out to do battle with giants, others are not. And as long as I can be of no help, I'm going to hide. And even as a child watching that, I was like, shit, that is me. That is how I feel about just about any situation. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be brave like Elizabeth Warren or Cinderella or Little Red Riding Hood. But like, that's, I'm out. Peace. Well, Good look, luck. we have no idea how Elizabeth Warren would fare in a zombie apocalypse. She might just be the one to strategize, but she's not going to be the one with a cricket bat. No, you no, know, no, distracting know. everyone. Yeah. Well, when I say when I say do battle with giants, it, it, strategizing is part of it. Yes. Having you could any do that, sort of Kaylee. an idea of how to Kaylee, you could strategize. Solve. You, you don't could. need to. I mean, I would probably be better, honestly, at this point, at like swinging a bat or using my my brawn rather than my brain, because while my brain is great at uh, coming up with puns and and perfect rhymes, not so much with the problem solving. I okay. very much tend to panic and put my head in the sand. So. Yeah, hmm. I've been feeling really useless lately. Not sure if you can tell. Oh, okay. I am just sorry like to in hear the that. broader scheme of the world. I mean, when I do think about, it, I mean, I've never really thought about zombie apocalypse scenario. But if I had to get from point A to point B, and there are zombies everywhere, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't leave the house without this giant lamp. And I would take the <laughs> shade off, and I would use it to bludgeon these fuckers in the head. But beyond mm. that. I don't know. I guess I would be checking. If I went to my parents' house, I guess I would be checking inventory of food. I would be mm -hmm. like, okay, well, you know, which of our neighbors are now zombies who are wandering the streets? How do we break into their houses and get their food? Like, mm -hmm. I would be thinking about stuff like that more than I would be thinking, let's get me a gun and shoot these fuckers. Which you See, would want to preserve anyway. Yeah, you know, that's, that's very smart. The, the thing, I wouldn't think to pill for my zombie neighbor's food. That's, hmm. you're, you're a problem solver. Well, you can stay. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I can probably, you can be on my team. You can entertain oh, me you. with puns while I go and uh, raid other people's pantries. All right, cool. I mean, I can come along for the raid too. Yeah, just no, come have, come along for the raid. Idea. You work out a lot. You'll have to carry shit for me too. You'll have to help me out. We can, I, I have a plan to make you useful. Oh, thanks. You know <laughs> what, actually, since I last evaluated how I would fare in a zombie apocalypse, I guess I have grown more valuable because I did start going to the gym for the first time ever in my adult life three there years you go. ago. So I'm in much better shape than I was. It used to be that I was a weakling who also doesn't fare well under stress, and that's really the worst. That's someone you really don't want on your team. I was like a slightly less nasty David, but I think now I could be more of an asset. Okay. A weakling weighing 98 pounds will get sand in his face when kicked to the ground. And soon in the gym, with a determined chin, the sweat from his pores as he works for his cause will make him glisten and gleam and with massage just a little bit of steam. He'll be pink and quite clean he'll be a strong man oh honey but the wrong man <laughs> it's rocky hard pictures i eventually got there <laughs> I, i'll admit i'm not as intimately familiar with it as you i've seen it once didn't oh. care for it <laughs> it's a great movie sure um. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Shaun of the Dead. Back to Shaun of the Dead.
it does make me very anxious when they ultimately come across so many fucking zombies outside the pub that they have to pretend to walk among them. It's so great, though. I love that Diane gets her little moment to shine by giving them acting lessons, by observing a, a zombie who's been incapacitated and then having them all try to mimic them. It's a, it's a nice little moment. She gets to have her contribution. Mm-hmm. Right, that's all. Shake out, nice and limber. Or not. Now, take another look at the way he moves. Remember, Diane, almost like sleepwalking. Look at the face. It's vacant with a hint of sadness drunk he's lost a bed okay let's try shall we liz Mm. nice good vocal work okay barbara that's excellent sorry dear i was miles away Mm. Uh. come on Uh. okay it's mournful sorrowful you didn't hate it go Uh. ed i'll do it on the night this is the night (sighs) <laughs> what is that? What about yours? Hey, who died in my G fucking king of the zombies? Oh, oh, no. <sighs> yeah, it's pretty good. I've never done a zombie impression. They're all pretty good at it. Yeah, except for David who doesn't try. Right, but I don't ingest zombie content. I've never watched Walking Dead. I saw Night of the Living Dead and I found it pretty fascinating, mm-hmm. but that's it. I saw 28 Days Later, but those zombies mm. are a little different. I guess I'm not, you know, despite being a liberal who does fear zombies more than vampires, <laughs> if we're talking about, you know, things that are ridiculous to be afraid of. I fear um, vampires because they're smart and they look like humans and you yeah. don't know they're going to kill you until they're like and I come in and you're like, fuck yeah, let's get it on, sexy vampire, and then they kill you. Well, but I guess in that case, I'm less afraid of joining the other side than I am. Oh, are you kidding? I would way rather be a vampire than a zombie. Well, see, that's what I'm saying is that if it's inevitable, if we have to succumb to one of these things where the position that they're in is transmissible by biting, however that is. Yeah, of course I'd rather be a vampire than a zombie. Uh, It also, I fear stupid people more than I fear smart people. I understand why people fear smart people because... You know, a very smart person with too much power and not enough compassion is a Slytherin. They can do a lot of damage. Uh, sorry, we can do a lot of damage. But um, I don't know, just the um, the huge rash of anti-intellectualism that it didn't start with Bush versus Gore. It started, obviously, many, many years before that. But the first time that I noticed it was Bush versus Gore. That was a pretty fantastic example. And then also um, Clinton versus Trump. There's There's just been... I think that anti-intellectualism, it's also, I think, part of, as I said, part of the reason why people hated Warren, those who did hate her. Um, I think that the fear of intelligence is a lot more dangerous than intelligence, because really intelligence is just the ability to reason well and and to um, ascertain facts and, and discover the truth. That is important Dude, to me. Cersei, so, Cersei Lannister is ultimately defeated by an angry bitch with a dragon. Yeah, it's not I fair. mean, I would. <laughs> yeah, I think that stupidity is a far greater threat to humanity's progress and well-being than intelligence, even when intelligence is misused, yes, or abused, yes. So, yeah, team vampire all the way. <laughs> right on. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah. So they eventually get inside of the pub because asshole David just full on breaks a window so they can get in. While Sean sacrifices his life and distracts all the zombies. 
just decides well, risks his life sacrifices you're right risks his life <laughs> anti-intellectual maybe i would not make yeah. a very good vampire um <laughs> yes this is how hard i am on myself i misuse one word and i can not I, and i'm like i didn't I'm in- mean to laugh at your own assessment and agreement you are definitely smart enough to be a vampire stephanie you're not a zombie i i could be the count there <laughs> you go so he leads them all away so everybody can get the fuck inside and then when he shows up like all bloody going i fucking made it he looks hot he looks hot as fuck and liz <laughs> thinks so too and he says something like well i said i'd be back and i just thought like you know what i like that level of masculinity very much i mean listen i will tear up young marlon brando <laughs> call me kamala harris i'm gonna prosecute that d I roll over off of that man and he already passed out and I'm like, yeah, that little girl was me. (laughs) (laughs) But otherwise... Death by email. Yes. But otherwise, I mean, just a kind of dork doesn't have to necessarily be a physical specimen who orders people around alpha male, but you know, ooh, Mm -hmm. but in an emergency, you can do this and then you show up looking like an Indiana Jones motherfucker. It's like, oh, I didn't know you had that in you. That's a generous comparison. What'd you say? But okay, I'll I'll give it. I said that's a generous comparison. Indiana Jones. I mean, that's, I don't know. Fuckability is in the eye of the beholder. And I got great vision. in the email of the beholder. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he looks hot. Okay, no, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Before they actually get into the pub, we see his mother get bitten. Yes. And only once they are already inside does she reveal that to anybody because she didn't want to worry anyone, which is very, very stupid if you know what it. the rules are. Yes. But that, oh, that really felt so real to me because I know that anybody who has parents who are senior citizens, which is everybody my age and older, basically, is very worried about the coronavirus getting to them. Oh, are you kidding um, me? Yeah. They're so much more vulnerable than any of the rest of us. Like, my mom has repeatedly invited me to come stay with them. And I'm like, I'm, you have a much nicer house and it would be nice to, like, be with people. But I could never forgive myself if I was the reason that you guys died. I don't want... I, I'm not going to do that to you. Same Z's. Same. I mean, my mother is probably in the camp of you're over 60 but you'll get through it because she's an incredible health she's never smoked Mm -hmm. she hardly drinks she's never sick she's not got a compromised like i believe her when she says are you fucking kidding me i'll be over it in three days like i kind of (laughs) i kind of believe her but you know my father's got a stent in his heart and regardless I mm-hmm. don't want to watch them have to go through it, even if they do come out the other side, because it no, was of me. Course. I don't. And you don't want to take your chances, of course. Like, what's so stupid is that if the shoe were on the other foot, if it was like, this virus is especially dangerous to 30-somethings, would they want us to be taking unnecessary risks? Of course not. No! No, 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 no. But they um. are our parents. <laughs> We love you guys so much. Please stay alive and stay inside. My dad was so excited when I told them I'm going to be working from home. This morning he texted me and he said, if my daughter wants to come over, I'll make her a cheese and shredded beef omelet. (laughs) And I I said, that sounds so tempting, but I'm very comfortable in my pajamas. That's how I phrased it. And he sends me back a video of himself dancing to Life is a Cabaret. Because of what good is sitting alone in your room. That's so great, Steve. It it broke my heart because I'm sure he's also going stir crazy because it's raining. And he's like a, he's kind of childlike in that regard. 
Yeah. Oh, I don't man. want I don't want him doing any unnecessary shit cuz he's he's no. childlike and he's oh my no, daddy. Of course. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I feel like if my place of employment had acted one week earlier because I did spend last weekend at like I, I slept over at my parents' house on Friday. And so if this had all happened one week earlier, if I could have just stayed there through this whole past week, that would have been fine, but not now. like the longer we wait, I'm sure the worse it's going to get. And the more likely we will be to transmit something even and my mom keeps going like you're not symptomless you can just stay in the basement i'm like i don't want to take no i am not symptomless but that doesn't mean that i'm not carrying i mean i am symptomless that's what see i can i can join your anti-intellectual zombie gang because <laughs> i misused a word wow you can stay in the basement she said that to you <laughs> oh well my parents have a really nice basement it's a finished basement it has a half bathroom it has a giant fucking tv because my dad is a film editor and he put in his own work from home station recently got it so like it's a it's a beautiful like people would go down there to hang out anyway um it's like a whole separate floor of the house oh but, my uh, god kaylee is that my zombie place you could make your own wayne's world because they film it in wayne's basement cool i have not seen that movie since it came out in the Early 90s, I want to say. You've got time. <laughs> I've got time. That is true. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> so they make it inside the pub. And mm -hmm. there's the wonderful, you know, your boyfriend. And then Ed, you know, kindly hands oh. his man a beer. And for a moment, things are kind of okay. They've got liquor and crisps and a jukebox mm -hmm. and each other. And things go kind of just fine for a moment there. They're in an eye of a very scary, fucked up shitstorm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just like me on Tuesday. Everything was fine. Dude, I mean, I'm talking out of turn and I have no evidence, but I do wonder if you would have been out of work a week earlier if someone else were president. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All of us would have been, I'm sure. The timing of this, though, was like kind of fortuitous because, I mean, it's not for, it's, it's all shitty and we should have all been taking steps months and months ago. Uh, there's no excuse for that. Mm -hmm. However, like my sort of last hurrah was on Tuesday, March 10th, I went to this event called Women's Day on Broadway, the decade ahead and how women will shape it. And it was a series of panels of women who uh, are, you know, prominent in their respective fields in the theater. And it was really interesting and inspiring and uplifting hearing them talk about the struggles that they face and the discrimination and people being dismissive or whatever, but then the ways that they've overcome it. And then when I booked the ticket months ago, I didn't realize that the keynote speaker was going to be Hillary fucking Clinton. So that was a really nice, we were, Jema and I were fifth row center and kind of like you with watching her documentary, like I don't have the emotional fortitude to start that right now, but it is something that I will definitely watch someday when I'm feeling stronger. Sure. But it's like, I, I've always regretted that she isn't our president now, but it reminded me how much I actively like her just to hear her talk and be so smart and so wise and so funny. I forget how fucking funny she is. Oh my God. Ugh, on purpose. Remember what it was like to have a president who was funny on purpose? Trump thinks he's funny on purpose. Oh, I know. Uh, like, I know. Oh, stop touching your face, Kaylee, my God. Dude, okay. I kind of... Oh, this is... Never mind. No, no, say it. No, I shouldn't. You can cut it. I can cut it. Uh, I hope he doesn't cancel going to uh, and holding rallies. That's horrible of me to say. You know what it is? I hope that he does that test positive and everyone else is fine, but then they're like, you risked my life. 
I, I don't know, man. I have very little faith in the intelligence of the people of this country. Dude, there are a lot of vampires out there. <laughs> That's a terrifying thing to say. No, and I'm, vampires I'm are just less noisy and stupid and fucked up and visible than zombies. I will put it that way. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, because they, we blend in. Uh, 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 uh. One, uh, uh, uh. two, three. <laughs> My work here is done. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Um, so then one zombie gets in, right? And is it through the window or has there been one zombie there the entire time? I, I kind of forgot. Um, well, one of them is the proprietor who I think was just maybe in the back room yes. of, of the tavern. But then definitely, of course, they'd get through the window because ugh, I love the moment when David, having thrown a trash can through the window, despite many people warning him and Sean telling him not to do that because we'll be totally exposed. Then once they're inside, he says, we've got to think about blocking up this window. We're totally exposed. And I was like, this is so many people in positions of power causing something and then trying to blame others, perhaps certain people who were president from 2008 to 2016. You know what? I think about Barack Obama so... I think I think about him more now than I did when he was president. I know. Because how... He's the one that got away. How does he cope with all of this? Probably better than the rest of us, honestly, because... But how frustrating must it be? I, look, I'm sure that... Oh, no, I'm sure. I'm sure there's nothing Donald Trump can say about Barack Obama that Obama actually takes personally and feels sad or mad about. I'm sure it oh. is all... He has been called worse by better mm -hmm. people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm talking about the president, so fuck. But... Yeah, I kind of wonder if he and Michelle, he and Michelle are probably trying to just work on their marriage and being a couple and distancing themselves from all of this. They probably can't just have a date night, you know, <laughs> especially now that Joe Biden is a front runner. Barack's probably like, motherfucker, I was done and now I probably have to show up and talk about you. I just wanted to stay home and fuck my wife and not watch the news and be a dad. I'm done. I mean... I could understand if he if he were to feel that way, but I think that he's also a very smart and very engaged person. He has certainly stepped back a very saddening and alarming amount in the last four years, but I think that regardless of who the frontrunner was and who the nominee is, he would still, you know, as the most recent Democratic president and someone who's still wildly popular, he would definitely be campaigning on behalf of whoever it was. This is true. I think that he will. I mean, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. So the proprietor gets in and Ed puts in. on Don't Stop Me Now or No. It's on random. It's on random. <laughs> that's the, yes. That's so a very, he doesn't put it on, but the jukebox is on. And so the, it's, it's a delightful little moment of comedy. Very cute scene. My next note is that at some point right before there's like a huge showdown with a bunch of zombies, Sean says, as Bertrand Russell once said, the only thing that will redeem mankind is cooperation. I think we can all appreciate the relevance of that now. <laughs> We can all appreciate the relevance of that now. Oh my gosh. You know, something that surprised me, because as I said, I'm pretty sure I've only seen this movie the one time. Yeah. I was amazed by how little time they're actually in the bar mm. compared to the rest of the movie. Because by the time they finally got in, I hit pause and I thought, oh, whoa, okay, yeah, most of the movie, I remember it the opposite. I remember them being in the bar mm. and fighting zombies that way most of the duration of the film. 
but I was, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, I had a similar reaction to a movie that I rewatched about five years ago. In this case, because I've seen Shaun of the Dead more than you, I've, I've maybe seen it two or three times before this weekend. I had a more accurate picture in my head of what this movie was, but I remember seeing Home Alone as a kid. And to my mind, that is just 90 minutes of robbers getting the shit kicked out of them. But it's really only like the last 20 minutes oh. of the movie. <laughs> There's like a whole setup of plot before then. And then it's only like the last third or fourth of the film wow. that is devoted to sadistic traps set by an eight-year-old child. That's great. <laughs> <sighs> so David, we've talked a lot about what a useless piece of shit he is. And he has, I won't call it a redeeming moment, but he has one moment where like a, a shitty broken clock is right twice a day. Yes. And he's right once in the half day that we spend with him. He's not wrong for wanting to shoot Barbara immediately. No. It's the only right opinion that he's ever had. He goes about it in a in a callous way because that's just who he is and because he hates Sean so much. But he also, I'm a little bit surprised that, you know, however you want to police his tone, that more people aren't agreeing with him. Like, as soon as you know that somebody's been bitten, you should shoot them. That's just common sense. And that's always been my case of like... If I were in a zombie apocalypse, no sentimentality. If you get bitten, I love you, Stephanie. But the second that your eyes start to go, I'm like, bam, because it's not you anymore. You're, you're correct. I would understand because mm -hmm. in that moment, I would not understand. You know, I'd be gone. I'd be a zombie. Yeah. But I am just saying, hypothetically, you and yes. I are in the Winchester. Sherry's eyes turn. I hand you the gun. That's a good point. I do not scream at a grieving friend, get away, yeah. I'm going to shoot your mom. You, you, <laughs> hand, you hand me the gun or you ask if I would like you to be the one to do it. And I would probably say yes. I mean, this and is what we've learned from Mice and Men. I haven't read or seen it. Again, I got time. <laughs> you don't? Wow. You haven't read? Watch Toy Story 3 and get back to me, bitch. You've got time. Okay. I probably will watch Toy Story 3. <laughs> but dude, seriously, you did not just equate that movie with Of Mice and Men. I did not equate it. However, I will say that you have brought this up with me exactly once. And now I have stopped touching your face. No, How I'm more surprised that you just never read Of Mice and Men. It's that big. And yeah. you're well read, that's all. I mean, you've oh, also brought you. up several books and articles in the course of this conversation that I'm not familiar with, but well, of mice but and I'm, men. <laughs> I'm deceptively ignorant. People assume that I'm a lot more well read than I am. Was Of Mice and Men something that you ever had to read for school, or did you just discover it on your own? No, oddly enough, when I was in eighth grade, oh. I read nothing but John Steinbeck. On purpose? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Okay. I only, the only reason I deviated from it was to read um, Goblet of Fire, and that did not hold a candle to Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> Fire candle. Anyway. Da, da, da. But uh, yeah, I was reading, I don't know why. I read many, many of his novels in quick succession when I was 14 years old. Wow, Stephanie, you're totally, you're totally team vampire. Stop dumping on your own intelligence. Here's what a basic bitch I am. I loved Harry Potter way more than I love the Grapes of Wrath. I admit to being a simpleton. How does that make you a basic bitch? Well, 
I don't know, same reason that liking the taste of a pumpkin spice latte more than liking the taste of whiskey, which has no redeeming qualities for me because I have the palate of a child, makes me a basic bitch. Okay, so here is, <laughs> I talk about how I put pressure on myself and immediately I'm in the idiot camp because I misuse one word, right? So in yes. eighth grade, Mrs. Kristen's advanced English class, she wants us mm -hmm. each to bring in just a book that we have read outside of school that we like and give a quick presentation on the author and talk about why we like the book. Okay. It seems very simple, but... When I think about it, that's great. She wanted to make sure we were fucking reading and that we could mm -hmm. formulate our opinions verbally and say them in, in front of a group. So I bring in Sweet Thursday, which is the sequel to Cannery Row by John Steinbeck. And I'm talking okay. about Sweet Thursday by John Steinbeck. The genius kid of the class brings in, I don't remember if it was The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings. Okay. And when I say genius kid, I mean this kid was obnoxious. It was okay. obnoxious, the the performative aspect of his genius. You know, if we were all called on to read our vocab sentences, whatever, he would write about Japanese tea gardens and then like insert the word in there somewhere. It was just so overblown. I just have one question. Was he the kind of person who's obnoxious because he's exactly as smart as he knows he is or because he's not as smart as he thinks he is? Because I've met both kinds. Don't know because I was 14 and I can't judge him for that. Fair enough, fair enough. But I came home and my mom asked, and what did so-and-so bring in? And I, <laughs> I said, Lord of the Rings. And she goes, grow up. <laughs> Completely appropriate choice of literature for an eighth grade boy. Grow I mean, up. yeah. <laughs> grow up. <laughs> grow up, child. I know. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Okay. That's great. Thanks, Barbara, for that much-needed chuckle. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, shot of the dead. So shot of the dead. Oh, yeah. Shooting your mom. He's correct in saying we've got to get this done now, but he is being a dick about it, and the right thing to do would have been to give the gun to Sean. But I understand that, like, they kind of dragged that moment out, I think, on purpose to make him look like a complete dick because he was soon to get torn apart himself. Sure. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, dramatically, it makes sense for the same way that a lot of things that don't make sense for the actual plot, if you're thinking realistically, but they do make sense for the dramatic or emotional moments that they inspire. So yeah, I get it. I'll, I'll forgive it. It makes sense. Have you seen 28 Days Later? I have not. So there's a moment where, you know, you've got the traveling caravan of survivors and there are zombies. And there's a really interesting moment where an older guy who's got his younger daughter with him, he like looks up and there's a zombie bird or maybe the bird is carrying away a piece of zombie. It's something like that. It's, it's via okay. an accidental thing where a drop of blood lands in this man's eye. It's not that oh. he gets bitten, but he still gets infected oh. in that way. And okay. no one sees it happen and it's daughter runs up to him and he's not yet been transformed and he's screaming get away from me get away from me like he knows immediately mm -hmm. i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna transform and i'm gonna bite my daughter and it's very well done it's done without any sentimentality of give me one last hug it's like nope no get the fuck away get the fuck away and he's trying to run no, away that's, that's very smart yeah i would I appreciate that kind of realism in my zombie movies. <laughs> yeah, so that we do have time to have everybody kind of turn against him and tell him you're being a complete asshole. And then Lucy Davis has her speech about, I, I know that you're only friends with me um, because uh, you're in love with Liz <laughs> and you've always wanted to get near her. And that's the reason you're being such an asshole to Sean throughout this whole entire thing is because you're mm -hmm. in love with Liz. And I just, I'm sure I had more sympathy for that when I was 20. But listening to it now, I was like, yeah, you fucking creep. Fuck you, David. <laughs>
No, I mean, it's it's satisfying to see David die as much as, you know, he's definitely my biggest piece of eye candy of the main group. But yeah, no, I'm not I'm not sad to see him. No, and he it's gets dragged through thing. the very window that he broke. Perfect example of poetic justice. Gets torn the fuck well apart. Well done, screen rattles. But then I hate when Diane, like, opens up the doors to go after him. I'm like, dude, no... Well, see, that's what makes me think that they're dating because who would who would do that for a friend? I mean, again, I I love my friends probably more than I've ever loved any man I've dated. But like that kind of crazy love—that's your hormones overriding your sensibility. Like I I just that's part of why I was reading into that. She might be in love with him, and that might be for us to figure out. Okay, okay, that might make sense. That might be for us to figure out. But so then we've got a major fucking problem of all these zombies spilling in, and the David moment gets drawn out. You don't really see what happens to Diana, do you? No. But what sucks is when Ed gets double bitten. Oh, That's heartbreaking and awful, and you really feel... You feel that one. Mm-hmm. Liz and Sean then hide behind the bar and they set it on fire with some alcohol and they're just kind of waiting it out. He tries mm-hmm. to get to the shells so that he can, you know, fire more bullets at the zombies, but the box of shells is, is enclosed in this ring of fire and they're mm-hmm. going, okay, what the fuck are we going to do? Well, maybe we can get down to the basement. And the way that one zombie manages to just lift up the little bar and walk around, the way that Sean screams, give us a fucking break. I want that on a t-shirt <laughs> because that, oh my is, God. that is how yeah. I have felt about the past several years is give us a fucking oh break. Completely. Give us a fucking break, Trump, but also give us a fucking break world because, you know, like the Australia fires. I got an email from some organization that I donated to last week about a donation that I had made either December 31st or January 1st. And I was like, that was this year? What? And like you said, the World War Three week, There, it's like every... Oh, man. There's, like, not even really any continuity. You know what it is? It's like an anthology series where every episode is, like, inside number nine. It's like every week unleashes a new horror that we never hear about again, except that we do hear about them again. Never mind. That was dumb. I'm a zombie. Well, you know, what What sucks about the pandemic is that, okay, so maybe if it's not the complete and utter end times, things are going to get really, really bad before they get better. And I can't mm-hmm. even step outside and be super thoughty. Like, I can't even (laughs) buy a bunch of slutty clothes and wear them and have a bunch of people see me in it just so that I can say I did it once. You you could become a cam girl if that's really a strong desire. Yo. Yo? No. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was going somewhere different. I've seen chewing gum, and the wrong kind of man will be cam in it. And I'll be be face-to-face with him. I've seen euphoria. It's creepy. Dude, yeah, no, you could make bank and you're not even underage, so it's less creepy. Oh, it might come to that. Yeah. If we all have to just make bank, whatever. Uh, You know, she wore a mask. I'll be wearing a surgical mask. There you go. We're rapidly approaching the conclusion. While they're back there, they realize that Ed has been bitten. Ed is asking for Sean to to shoot him. And Sean says, I don't think I've got it in me to shoot my flatmate, my mom, and my girlfriend all in the same evening. So yeah, I, I misquoted where that is. That's when they're talking about offing themselves because there's only two bullets left in the shotgun that they have. And so she said, oh, well, like you could do me first and then you could do yourself. And then he says that. And it's, it just shows what an epically shitty and sad day Sean has had. Mm-hmm. But also, that sentence just made me think about how different the UK is from the United States. Because I was thinking, like, there are men who've gone on mass killing sprees 
who have done that. Like the first thing they do is they shoot their parents or they shoot their girlfriend or they shoot their roommates or they do some combination of all of the above and then they shoot 10 to 50 strangers. I understand what you're saying, but those people aren't starting from a healthy place like Sean is. I'm not saying he reminds me of one of those mass murders. I'm just saying that for him to bristle at the idea of having to do that shows that he is a human who is normal. No, I know. As opposed to people that, yeah, it, it's just weird to me that that was something that I was like, oh, people, people do that here, like, with alarming frequency. Oh, definitely. Just, just throwing that fact out there. No, I mean, the fact that the only gun they can get a hold of is one that is a decoration in a bar that they're not positive even works, that's right, something right. that would not play if this movie took place in the States. That's So true. that I hear you, for sure. I yeah. just don't think that even if this movie did take place in the States, the sane human hero at the end could still say, I don't have the strength yeah. for that to today, even though our country is comfortable with guns. No, 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 that's true. Oh, I'm not saying that if Sean were American, he would he would feel comfortable doing all of okay. that. I'm saying more that that's that it's a it's a very real possibility for someone to do here, whereas you'd have to go to really extreme lengths to do something like that over there if you defo. had that much hate and malice in you. Defo, defo, defo. But yeah, then their only choice is to go outside and they leave Ed inside. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, that's is that when the government shows up? Yes. With machine guns. With Deus Ex Machina guns. <laughs> yeah, finally. But uh, yeah. they made it. They they meet up with uh, the other... Yvonne, that's her name. Yvonne, the other uh, haphazard the sort Sean. of survivalists. Yeah. yeah. Then we have a lovely little conclusion Epilogue. of six months later where you get to see on television how not all of the zombies were in fact oft and they make for great sort of menial labor professionals and you see a zombie putting <laughs> shopping carts away and you see yes. that some of them are involved in sort of olympic style or like american gladiators games on on mm -hmm. television and sean and liz kind of live happily ever after it's mm -hmm. sunday and they're making tea and no I'm, I'm gonna make a sunday roast and then maybe we can go to the pub and have a drink and come back and watch tv and go to bed mm -hmm. and he's like sounds wonderful he says he's gonna go play a video game for a minute and he goes outside to the shed and we see that he has kept his zombie friend Ed chained up in the shed mm -hmm. and they still play video games together. Yeah, it's a very sweet and funny, unexpected ending. And it's something that, again, it makes me think of the times that we're living in and something that you had alluded to earlier with the idea of, is this a blip? Can things ever really go back to normal? Or after this, will there just be a new normal that we're all going to have to deal with? Is coronavirus going to be something like a way worse version of the flu that we have to worry about every year or every few months because it's not like something like the chicken pox where you get it once and you're immune is this just going to be part of our world from now on are we going to need to you know some of us work from home half the time and some of us like are things going to be i don't know is, is society going to scale down in some way to accommodate all of the many factors it's something that i that i appreciate because in so many movies where there is some sort of infection or invasion from the outside it's usually well we have to eradicate it completely and we're not going to stop until like you know with a vampire if you kill the head vampire then they all die blah, blah, blah. like the, each monster has its own mythology but i appreciated that when the world does change on such a massive scale you do sometimes end up having to make your peace with living in a completely different world than the one that you grew up in. If it's not possible to stop the thing, then you need to just make it work and proceed in a way that like society can move forward just with drastically altered circumstances. Oh, 
well yeah that's <laughs> you've got time <laughs> that's what that's what happens in Shaun of the dead anyway and um yeah yeah maybe i shouldn't say this because it's a spoiler but um to a different like sort of more ambiguous effect uh in Anna and the Apocalypse, too, they don't defeat the zombies. It just ends with the three surviving teens getting in a car and driving who knows where to face who knows what future. And this is something that's already been happening the world over. So hmm. it's like, well, what what's going to become of them? Who knows? Question mark the end. Uh, huh. I, I don't think we're looking at a question mark the end. I saw a video that was posted on Instagram. I'm going to pull it up so I can read the caption so that I know what I'm saying to you because I don't want to just paraphrase it poorly Mm -hmm. if it's right in front of me. It's a video of a bunch of medical workers in China and it says, quote, who have been fighting the coronavirus day and night in Wuhan. They celebrated the closing of the last temporary hospital in Wuhan because they've had to build all of Mm -hmm. these temporary hospitals because of the overflow. The reported cases went from a surge in February of 15,000 in one day to only 15 this week. And it's this wonderful video that I can send to you of them all standing in line on the stairway leading up to this hospital. And they're all in their um, scrubs still, but one by one, they're taking off their masks and they're all, and they're, and they're smiling and they're, they're healthy and they're there. And um, yes. And China still exists. Yes. But this is the epicenter and things are getting better, but it's because they've taken these drastic fucking measures. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not a obnoxious optimist, but I think that I am an inherently more optimistic person. Than me? Yeah, low bar. Or right. did you mean more optimistic than pessimistic? More optimistic than pessimistic. I know I'm more optimistic than you. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty egocentric way for me to interpret that. Go on. <laughs> she said as she itched her eye with the sleeve uh-uh, covering her hand. Um, I do think, though, that this is just going to be such a fucking wake-up call for the society we're living in which is not capitalist it's corporatist Hmm. and um for the people who are like but elizabeth warren said she's the capitalist it's like yeah and she's saying that our capitalist system has been hijacked by assholes and that we could make this work if we hold all of them fucking accountable for the Mm -hmm. laws they are manipulating if not all out breaking and fuck that let's yeah. fix what we actually have yeah it's it's not capitalism it's hyper capitalism that i'm criticizing it's right. sort of like how when i think about dangerous christians i'm thinking about evangelicals i'm not thinking about most people who just oh. believe in jesus christ as the lord and savior i'm not explaining this to you i know that oh you yeah no, get it. I'm, I'm just saying cool. like like the amount of people that i texted who wrote me back saying, Elizabeth Warren's a capitalist. I just thought, yep. And so are you. And so are you. You know, you do not get to be a self-proclaimed communist because of the way you happened to vote one time. Mm-hmm. Suck my dick from the back. <laughs> for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's begging for a pegging, am I right? But not in the fun way. Um, would you like to do a fuck, Mary kill? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely forgot. I got so distracted by the horrible state of the world <laughs> that I forgot I understand. about one of our standby things uh, about about this podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to go first or do you need a minute? Uh, definitely marry Sean because, again, he's the only one who's both nice and smart. The others are only one or the other. And even David, his, his intelligence is questionable, but Ed's a complete idiot, so can't do that. And then here's where I run into trouble because Dylan Moran is so tasty, but his character is such an asshole. And meanwhile, Ed is so sweet, but I really don't want to fuck him. So, you know, which is going to win my, my bloodlust or my emails. And I think, I think I might go with my emails. I think I want to, I think I want to fuck David and kill Ed, even though I'd feel really bad. Maybe I could just kill him by having a zombie bite him and then he could still live a happy life 
in there a man of speaking in the shed. I'm a fucking Ed. Of course you are. I knew, I, I knew that. <laughs> I'm killing David and I'm marrying Sean. And I will say that often we have this conversation about, oh, but he's still young. He can change. Even though we see really kind of no evidence of that. That's all I, hypothetically. I only the... use that to justify my shallow horniness. No, I do the same thing. I, I did it with Lister. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that in this rare case, we do see the loser bad boyfriend become a winner good boyfriend. And a it man. is on. He becomes a man. And it's right there. It is central to the story. And it's not just me going, well, maybe someday he'll grow up and he'll make a perfectly wonderful husband. No, we actually <laughs> see that Sean is capable of uh, of said mature-ation. That is very uh, true. At the beginning, Liz, when she's, you know, nagging at him, as I saw it in 2004, she has this whole laundry list of all of these promises that he's broken and then by the end you see or at least infer that he has kept every single one and he is capable of evolving so yeah i like that you pointed that out there you go he's he's that rare dynamic character who who actually grows up like that fucking kid who read the hobbit (laughs) (laughs) wonder what that dude's reading now god the disdain that my mother had grow up (laughs) 14 14 year old grow up you're reading (laughs) tolkien grow the fuck up 14 year old boy (laughs) (laughs) oh my god meanwhile i'm reading about stuff i probably i probably missed half of what steinbeck was talking about let's be real i thought that the writing was beautiful and there were plenty of books that were just about people kind of working the land and getting Mm -hmm. drunk at night and that i understood enough but um (laughs) I didn't know what the title The Grapes of Wrath meant. I don't know what he's talking about in In Dubious Battle. I don't know what mm-hmm. the fuck he's talking about, but I read it anyway. Um, <laughs> everybody go read some Steinbeck. He is a dead white man, but he is, I don't know, wrote really beautiful books. And uh, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> All right. Well, that, that felt really good to me, Stephanie. That was cathartic and fun and in some ways relieving by some of the information that you revealed to me. And in other ways, the opposite, because of some other information that you revealed to me. But I'm going to choose optimism today. What other information did I reveal to you? Oh, the thing about France. But again, I guess, like I said, that's still good news. It's good news that anybody's taking measures. It's always better in a situation like this to overreact than to underreact. Oh, another movie I've been thinking about a lot is Jaws. Because so many fucking people, especially the fucking president, are the mayor of Amity Island. You yell Barracuda. And everyone says, huh, what? You yell shark, and we've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Suck my dick, mayor. And you know who I mean when I say mayor. I will say there was a moment when my boss was trying to calm everybody down and Mm -hmm. talking about working towards steps for everybody to be able to work from home. There are security issues with my line of work. Mm -hmm. Studios are figuring it out, however. Um, But my boss was nervous about it. and Sure. He was trying to tell us, like, you know, we're, we're working toward getting you guys all set up to work from home. But it was kind of sweet, because at the end, he said, does anybody have any questions for me? Not even necessarily about the business, but just about the coronavirus. Oh, <laughs> that's where <laughs> I want to get my information from. <laughs> he, he talked about, he's like, I've been doing a lot of reading about it. And I thought, you and me and everyone in everyone. this room, my love. It's, <laughs> it's But it's very sweet of you to think that you that have is... the information that we don't have. Yeah. Uh, you can that leave that in. That is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave that in. I was going to Greg, ask. if you're listening, I, I hope you're smiling at that. Greg's cool, cool, cool. I love you, Greg. Anyway. Thanks, Greg. 
Oh, dude. All right. Well, um, anyway, guys, thanks so much if you've listened to this. Um, hope that you have been able to uh, keep it on maybe as, as you wipe down your countertops for the fourth time. Um, maybe you're <laughs> listening to this in 20-second intervals as you wash your hands. Um, mm. Perhaps you're listening to this while you work from home or on the walks that you take to remind yourself that uh, there is a world outside. Oh, and, man, uh, I'd love to take a walk. I don't live in a place that's conducive to taking a walk. Really? Oh. Well, well no, because there's, like, always people everywhere. I don't want to oh, touch uh, my doorknob of my building. I don't know. This is, again, like I said, I've, I've gotten quite um, paranoid and overly cautious in the last few days, but... Uh, that's okay, man. Hey, also, according to news that's come out recently, this shit can live on surfaces for days. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I was nervous to check my mail today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not exactly, like, thriving on surfaces, and it might be getting weaker, but, like, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I mean, Stephanie, in our episode about chewing gum, which will be released after this special is released, we revealed to each other that we are both people who, before we ever had penetrative vaginal sex, had had pregnancy scares because of how long we know sperm can live outside of the body. So... Like, you don't need to tell me to dismiss other people's dismissal of viruses lasting for a long time. (laughs) Dude, think about the day when we're declared corona-free. This is a daydream, but join Mm -hmm. me in this daydream. Oh, yeah. We're we're declared corona-free. Think about, like, how down everyone's going to be to make out. Hmm. I don't really enjoy the act of making out, so that doesn't sound that fun to me. But I do enjoy touching my face, and my god, that's going to be a okay, great fine. day. You can sit there and touch your face while I make out with everyone. Sounds like a plan, bud. I mean, babe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you. That goes for you guys Love out you, there, man. too. Bye.